And good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Happy John Means Day. Happy. Good to have you back. Now, can you give us some innings? Day to those who observe. Look, man, the Orioles won. That's all that really matters, but. That's back to back days where. One of the guys who's supposed to be a part of the solution couldn't help them. That is nerve-wracking. Also, I got to be honest with you, I was surprised that Masson put up the graphic talking about the innings thing during the game last night. I would have thought that would have been one of those things, you know, given what we've been through, where perhaps someone would have said, no, we don't talk about that here. That's not a thing. But they did, and they should, because it's quite relevant to what's going on. And every time that I've I've had this conversation is you feel like you have three guys set for the rotation as long as their arms don't fall off. And one rough start is not proof that their arm is falling off. But you can't help but think about it in the context of late-season struggles when they're going seriously past their career-high in innings pitch, drastically past... In the case of Grayson Rodriguez, what you pitched a year ago, I mean, overwhelmingly passed it. And you can't help but worry about it a little bit. I, hopefully, John Means is brilliant tonight. Hopefully, it, we're hugging each other like it was Steven Strasburg's first start with the Nationals. Hopefully, it's one of those nights where grown men are weeping at the ballpark. Because John Means comes back, and oh my God, he's John Means. But the more likely scenario is John Means probably can't be expected to have a ton of innings in him. And so, can't help but feel a little queasy at the moment. Awesome that they're winning. Awesome that Cedric Mullins hit a grand slam. Awesome that Austin, Austin Hayes... It was very difficult for me to not make him man of the match last night. Of course it had to be Cedric Mullins because that was the, the thing that churned the entire game. As we remember, the Orioles were losing at the point in which that occurred. But Austin Hayes goes from sitting on the bench, talking to me about his son and his son's experience at the All-Star game, which I could have listened to for four <laughs> more innings. It was wonderful. Goes from that to making diving catches in left field to getting RBI base hits. He did a little bit of everything last night. Surprised they kicked him off the broadcast since they were scoring. I guess that's true. It was weird. The third out was recorded after they said goodbye to him. That was a weird bit. They didn't Uh, get to the end of the inning. They said goodbye, and then uh, almost immediately the third out was mm -hmm, recorded. It's kind of weird how that worked. Nice night, really nice night for the Bats. The pitching thing, y'all can be the ones. You guys can be the ones to not concern yourselves with it. You guys can be the ones to say, I'm trying to pretend like it doesn't exist, whatever it is. As I said, this this is the Virgo in me. Wasn't that a line in Fruitcakes by Jimmy Buffett? Did I just honor the late, great Jimmy Buffett there? Was there a, uh, it's the Virgo in, hang on a second. Hang on a second. We might have to pull that as a drop for whenever I right. I end up. Hang on a second. Uh, Virgo, is that? Did I get that right? Uh, lyrics, lyrics. Um, 
I mean, I, I I'm unfortunately not too familiar with Jimmy. Ah, Buffett. for God's sakes, get a hold of get a your hold of yourself. Get a hold of yourself. Um, uh, should just start uh, playing fruitcake. No, just, it's just not wait. Virgo. It's the Buddhist in you. It's the pay. It's religions. I got it all wrong. No, I'll pull it. It's anyway. the Buddhist. No, it's not going to help me. I don't think I'm Buddhist, <laughs> pagan, Muslim, or I don't know what I am. What What am I? <laughs> Can somebody get to the bottom of that? <laughs> Where do you go to find out? Is you like go down to your neighborhood Royal Farms, walk in, like, hey, I could go for some chicken and also do you know what my religion is? Like, is that the way that this goes? I um I'm not sure how it all works. But yeah, the Virgo in me is the reason why I I can't I can't help myself but fear for impending doom even when things are going well. It's what it is. John means has been pitching five innings. And we're going to talk more about what to expect from John Means. Pete Mishu, the uh, Norfolk Tides play-by-play voice, will join us a little bit later on this hour. He's seen John Means' his last couple of starts. We'll see what it is that he thinks he's been looking like. What can we expect as John Means returns to the rotation? Because this is the awkward part. It's not just that he's back. It's that he's back, and we kind of need him to come through for us. And that's terribly unfair absurdly unfair, but we kind of don't have a choice. If John Means doesn't come through, I am really worried about whether or not there's enough innings here. And I'm not, again, when I bring up the innings thing with the other guys, and it's not just me, Masson brought it up last night, I'm not saying definitively that I think this is the end of the line for Dean Kramer or for Grayson Rodriguez. And we've seen no signs of it being problematic for Kyle Bradish so far. So far, Kyle Bradish has... There's like that one little blip in the summer where you're like, oh, boy. And then all of a sudden, everything was fine. So we're good there. I'm not saying the bad starts, although for Grayson, it's kind of been back-to-back. I'm not saying that's the end or that's it or there's no hope or no way. I would worry specifically with Grayson that at some point the Orioles might have to talk to themselves about whether or not long-term – And this is, as everybody keeps telling me, every time I talk to anybody involved in the game, this is going to be at Grayson's discretion. And that's what you worry about because... He's going to want to... Of course. Every single one of them is always going to say, give me the ball. But at some point, if something's not right, the Orioles might have to do the thing we don't want them to do. I already referenced Steven Strasburg once today. But with Grayson in particular, and I think it's far different for Dean Kramer... But with Grayson in particular, they might be left with kind of no choice but to say, we got to shut it down. If if it continues, if it looks like he's laboring, if it looks like something's not right, then they might have no choice there. I, I think all of us would say, well, couldn't you maybe see if he could help for an inning out of the bullpen before you do that? I I hear you, but Grayson is so important to the next few years of Orioles baseball that I think the team might be forced to treat him differently than they would treat other guys. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not trying to overreact or I'm not trying to hit the panic button, although it definitely sounds like I am. I. It's rough. It's rough watching these things. It's rough seeing... The guys that you knew. This is why the damn it was so damning that Cal Gibson and Jack Flaherty have stunk so much. It's the thing I kept referring to. Those are the guys you know have the innings in them. 
Those are the guys you can pitch until their arms fall off and have no concern. Those are the guys that needed, needed to be better than this. There are still a couple of weeks for them to show you something. I don't think any of us feel good about it. I saw somebody on Twitter last night suggesting that the Orioles fans do the Trey Turner bit with Jack Flaherty on Friday night. Like, go yeah. out of their way when he comes in to give him a standing ovation and try to show support. I, I love the idea. I, I don't know how I a think, guy... I think we have to. I don't know how a guy would feel about it. Like, I, I guess Trey Turner enjoyed it and appreciated I it. I mean, he's been unbelievable since then. So, is... so, you know, worth a shot, yeah. right? I would feel, like, like in a way, it to me feels like a Bronx cheer, right? Like, you know, when, when a pitcher's getting his ass kicked and then suddenly finally gets an out... And the stadium's like stands up, like, hey, all right, yeah. It feels like you're mocking them, right? Oh, good, you got one out. But I don't know. I'm willing to give anything a shot. Yeah. At this point, sort of like college, I'll try anything once. I. What do you have to lose? Maybe, maybe when Jack Flaherty goes out there, you just you give it, a, do it your best. There's going to be a sold-out crowd on Friday night. There's going to yeah. be an atmosphere that's going to be raucous. It's going to be coming right off the – that is when he would start, correct? Yes, this Friday? yes that is where he's lined he's, up He's going to be coming right off the Adam Jones ceremony, right? Yeah. Like, it's going to be electric. Feels like it would be cool to at least try it. It's not my idea. I'm not trying to take credit for it. I don't remember who started it last night. See if you can search Jack Flaherty. Please hang on a second. Jack Flaherty, Trey Turner. Uh, somebody would have this will pop up something here on the old Twitter. Uh, Orioles tragic. The Orioles tragic. That's that's unfortunate. What if we gave Jack Flaherty the Trey Turner treatment on Friday? And I, it's getting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not really. It's it's gotten a, it's gotten a handful, but it could use more traction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think we can co-op this, or not co-opt it. I think we can. Um, uh, what is it uh, when the politician? Uh, co- co- what am I trying to say? Coerce, My, no. no, what the hell is the word that I'm looking for? Endorse it. That's oh, what okay. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Jesus Get Christ! Behind this. What has happened to me? I want to say I blame forty, but it, this started way before I was forty. Where common words are just not coming to me. My brain is just not functioning the right way. I guess it's when I started having kids. And then there was no sleep, and then it all kind of went to hell after that. I think that's really what occurred here. So you're blaming the kids. It's definitely the kids' okay. fault. Okay. And, the, and the sleep fault. Like, I don't yeah. get any sleep. Ever. Never happens. And that's the reason why my brain stops functioning. But I'll endorse this. I'll endorse the idea. Give it a shot. What the hell? What can it hurt? Trey Turner is 381, batting 381 with 15 home runs and 39 RBIs in 33 games since August 4th, which is when he got his standing ovation. Okay. I mean... <laughs> I don't know, man. And he knocked me out of the fantasy playoffs, too. So oh, that, that son was, of a bitch. Yeah. That son of a bitch. I mean, he had like six home runs the week I played him. It was ridiculous. Uh, well, I'm, we're officially endorsing it. Yeah. I have uh, retweeted it with an official endorsement <laughs> for Friday night. Uh, Orioles win last night. That's the important part. I know it doesn't sound that way because I'm freaking out about the pitching, but it, it is. I acknowledge the part that matters is the part where they win. Uh, the Orioles got the victory they scored 11 runs when 111 to 5 despite the fact that it was not a good start for Dean Kramer who had been so good leading up to last night and that was the disappointing part and yes John Means makes his season debut returns for the first time since a long time over a year 
John Means on the mound tonight for the Baltimore Orioles. And I, I don't know what else there is to say besides we'll see. Yeah. That's, I mean, maybe that's the only thing I can say. Ben McDonald, I think, was kind of uh, leaning into this last night. But, you know, I mean, this whenever one aspect of the game seems to be really down for the Orioles, the other two parts of the game always are stepping up. Like the offense has yeah. been coming through this past week while the starting pitching is struggling. That's And that's, that's fine. But ultimately, in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you're one not you're not going to be able to do it without the starting pitching. Yeah. Like you're just not going to be able to get through. You could argue that you could survive with your offense not performing at the same level if you can get that starting pitching. I would say you probably need more all all three phases to be clicking in the playoffs. You're right. Their their offense is lifting up for the most part right now. Didn't work on Sunday, but everybody gets one. Um, and you hope that continues to be the case moving forward. Actually, no, I hope that the starting pitching comes. What am I talking about that continues to be the case? I hope that all three phases yeah. are clicking moving forward. Obviously, the big other big story today's show is brought to you by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app. Go to Superbook.com. When you do, use the code GlennClark23. Make that first or that same day first bet up to $250, and win or lose, you'll get it matched with free bets. Again, Superbook.com or download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23. First bet match up to $250. Seems, and that's win or lose. So you could win a bunch of money on that first bet and and still get $250 worth of free bets. Um, just kind of taking a look. Uh, Ravens Bengals, the number, the total has moved. It's gone up to 46.5 despite the fact that we think that. Forty percent of the Ravens' starting offensive line will not be there. Uh, the John Harbaugh press conference was held after we chatted, and it didn't pin anything down necessarily. He actually sounded a little bit more negative about Marcus Williams than I, I think some of the momentum had been moving. That like it might not keep him out for the year. Uh, remember, we talked to David Chow, Doctor David Chow, yesterday, and he was pretty certain that no matter what it was, it wasn't going to keep him out for the year. Um, both Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum, week to week. It seems like weeks is the the more likely scenario for those guys. It's looking like you're going to be hearing the names Fa'a Lele and McCary on Sunday. And that's what it is. That's That's the reality of the circumstances. We will see how that goes. Don't know. But uh, somehow the total is up to 46 and a half. I the, guess they just think. The Ravens are going to have to pass more? Maybe. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. With yeah. the Jake Dobbins sideline, I don't know. The spread is three and a half in that game. So if you want to go bet on that, you can do it right now. Superbook.com. And again, use the code GlennClark23. Orioles are minus 195 on the money line tonight against the Cardinals. The over, which was a pretty good bet last night, uh, the number is sitting at 10. It is John Means and Adam Wainwright this evening. Of course, the other big storyline last night is what happened in New Jersey. The Jets won, like everybody thought they would. Big, big debut. Big victory. Um, I, I don't care at all about the Jets. And frankly, I always thought it was, I, I'm going to be, I'm not trying to sound cruel. I always thought it was absurd when I was talking to Jets fans in the in the beginning of the Lamometer days. And I said, you guys would prefer Aaron Rodgers to Lamar Jackson? What am I missing? And 
the sense that I got, remember we had Mike Greenberg on the show, mm-hmm. my buddy Rami, who used to work over at The Fan, a couple of the other Jets fans that are in my life. The sense that I got was more like, we've made, like we've decided it's Aaron Rodgers. And so that's just what we want, what we want now. Like once there's the possibility of it being Aaron Rodgers, we just want it to be Aaron Rodgers. And I'll never understand that thought process in my life. And it's not just because everybody's doing this funny bit where they pretend like Aaron Rodgers wasn't mid last year. Like, it's hilarious how everybody's just sort of decided to pretend like that wasn't a thing. Or all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, but the the receivers. Like, that's weird because every other time a quarterback doesn't have wide receivers, you tell me the quarterback's supposed to be better. It's It's crazy how that works. But I'll never understand the idea of preferring to get a 39-year-old quarterback. I'll never understand that thought process. And I get it. It's been bleak and dark for the New York Jets, and they've, like, never had... The, the last franchise quarterback they had was Joe Namath, and you know the weird, the weird bit is that a, the history has rewritten the story of Joe Namath, who we acknowledge, because of what he did in the biggest moments, you kind of forget that he was not... He was in New York. Yeah. <sighs> I'm not trying to pretend. All right, I'm not. Gonna, I don't want. I don't want to trash Joe Namath. Joe Namath was a great quarterback. There's no debate. But I, come after us? no, I just feel like we, the legend of Joe Namath has outgrown the actual Joe Namath. But that's not for here. It's who cares, right? That's not the conversation we're having. If this happens in football, quarterbacks get football players get hurt. It's the thing where everybody like, hurt players get hurt. No, football players get hurt. He threw a lot of interceptions. It's the part that nobody wants to talk about. <laughs> the legend of Terry Bradshaw, kind of the same way. Like, we just we don't talk about it. We just say that the greatest quarterback, among the greatest quarterbacks of all time, when, like, nothing actually says that's the case. It's fine. It's not It's not the converse. You're, 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 you're getting lost in the minutia. I wanted to move on. It's not worth it. It's not what we're doing here today. <laughs> This was not a show about Joe Namath. I promise you. This happens. And when it happens to your 39-year-old quarterback who you sold out to get, now in fairness, though, it's also a bummer for the Packers because they're not going to get their first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you sell out for your 39-year-old quarterback, who, again, some would argue was starting to look like he was on the downside of his career. We're, we're just all got together and said, let's not talk about the fact that Aaron Rodgers was mid last year. It's I, I don't know why I wasn't invited to that party. Like I don't know why everybody else got together to say that. But when you get the guy that already looks like he might be on the downside of his career, there's also the risk that he gets hurt and you lose him for a year, and now the guy that you sold out for is at best going to be a 40-year-old starting quarterback. that will be two years removed from the last time he looked like a high-level quarterback. I, I feel bad in the way that I talked yesterday about J.K. Dobbins. Like it's Sympathy is a weird word to use here because this is a very wealthy person. But I don't, I don't want anybody to ever feel physical pain, if possible. We all do, but you know it sucks if somebody feels physical pain. But the word isn't sympathy. I don't know that it's even sympathy for Jets fans because I kind of don't care, right? Like, nobody has the inherent right to be good. That's the way that sports work. 
the Ravens lost their quarterback for each of the last two seasons. It's the nature of the game. Sympathy isn't the word. The idea, the feeling that they have up there, where they just they're just cursed. Yeah, I mean, bro, you chose to be a Jets fan. I'm not sure exactly what to tell you. The fact that we are all going to be stuck with the Jets still in a lot of national TV windows this season. Big opportunity for Zach Wilson. Sure. Boy, did he look good. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you can just throw the ball in the general yeah, city Garrett of Wilson, Garrett Wilson. Right, yeah. Do your best on that. That did work for the one play. Um, a lot of talk about whether the Jets try to do something else. They're, they're saying, of course, Zach Wilson's their guy, but they have to say that because he's got to start against the Cowboys next week. So, obviously, they have to say that Zach Wilson is their guy. Bring back Flacco. Yeah, bring back Flacco. They could try to trade for Darnold again. Um, I, more reasonable ideas that people tossed around, like the idea that they could try to pursue Jameis Winston, right? Like, I, there would be a, some logic in that. I don't know enough about Jameis Winston's contract situation because they're not going to take on a quarterback for multiple seasons. I know the Tom Brady thing was pushed around yesterday. Imagine going from a 40-year-old quarterback to a 50-year-old quarterback. Certainly the guy that was, you know, rocking his Patriots gear on Sunday doesn't look like a guy that's interested in playing football again. I don't think the Tom Brady thing is legitimate, but, I mean, hell, sure, make a phone call, I guess. Anything's better than Zach Wilson. But it's what it is. It's... Can we be honest? It's good news for the Ravens. I hate saying it that way. But it's one team, less team that appears to be a threat in the AFC. One less team that it appears as though you're going to have to compete with. To be fair, the Jets' defense still appears to be quite good, obviously. They might be able to win enough games just defense and running the ball. Do I think they can break through a crowded AFC and get into the playoffs doing that? Nope, I don't see that. The Bills thing is alarming. We all talked all offseason about how something doesn't seem right there. What we didn't know is that maybe Josh Allen's doo-doo. This isn't Joe Burrow coming off an injury and stinking. This is Josh Allen. Apparently, everything's fine. He was around for the entirety of the offseason. He just sucked. Like, dreadful. And some of it, I get Whitehead looked great last night. Like I, some of it is the Jets' defense, but some of it was just what in the world is going on here. And it also kind of comes off, and I talked about this before. It's the reason why when everybody says well, you want Lamar Jackson to run less, I don't. Sometimes, when you're purposely trying to get someone to run less, it impacts them, and you just kind of have to let them be themselves. But Josh Allen looked. Terrible. He did not look good at all. That was alarming for the maybe there is a bigger problem than we realize with the Buffalo Bills. And we all thought there was something a little amiss. But, man, that was alarming. All right, it's time for us to get ready for Waiver Wire Wednesday. Joining us now, he is our Press Box fantasy football expert. He, of course, was hanging out with us at Live Casino and Hotel last Thursday night. And they bring you Waiver Wire Wednesday's preview every week. He's our guy, Joe Serpico, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Joe, it's Glenn. Good morning, man. How are you? I'm hanging in there, buddy. I am uh, 
I'm not sure if you're aware, but I am the owner of Aaron Rodgers mm. in our league. So mm. I will be uh, one of those guys on the waiver wire. Well, let's get to it then. Let's get to it. Where, th- dude, week one is always so difficult when we have these conversations because there's going to be overreactions to a lot of things one way or the other. But I, I would assume that the, the, like, uh, on the higher end of the guys that might be available to target at the quarterback position would probably be Jordan Love. Matt Stafford perhaps went undrafted in a league. Where are you looking for help if you are an Aaron Rodgers owner like you are? Uh, you mentioned my probably my top guy right now. That would be Jordan Love. Now it's a little bit remains to be seen because he did put up good numbers against the, let's face it, the Bears defense kind of stinks. Um, so it kind of remains to be seen. Now if you're in the boat like me, you can't really sit back and wait. You kind of have to – make a decision there uh, fortunately for me i have Derek carr already on my team but that's another guy that could be potentially available to you uh, i like what i saw out of the saints this weekend i think uh all three receivers actually they're actually going to make uh car fantasy relevant uh and then uh, you mentioned matthew stafford uh, I, I mean we just saw just a couple of years ago he was a top five fantasy quarterback yep. now you know he's battled injuries last year um you know it was without cooper cup and I'm sure there's another ram we're going to talk about in one second. Oh, but yeah. I like what I saw out of Stafford in uh, the first week. And yeah, that's another guy that's definitely on the option, you know, an option for me. I saw I saw on your waiver wire thing at PressBoxOnline.com, you had Tua Tungavai. I cannot believe that there would be a league in football where Tua Tungavai low would be available. I can't believe that they have gotten through an entire draft without selecting Tua Tungavai low. That's crazy to me. Well, I only put that in there because he is still available in about 15% of leagues based on whatever uh, platform you're on. You know, he somehow went undrafted in some leagues. Um, So if he's there, get him. Uh, He was the guy that I was targeting all offseason. If you were to go back and look at all my mock drafts, he was a guy that I think I had of the 12 picks, I had him in six of them. So he was a guy I was always targeting for what we saw on Sunday. I mean, as long as he's tied to Tyreek Hill, and it was kind of a quiet game for Jalen Waddle, and he still had decent numbers. It was wide receiver three numbers for fantasy purposes. So as long as those two are on together with two is on the ball, I mean, two is a must start. That's how right. I've always said going into the year, and it was kind of more of a pat myself on the back kind of thing. Oh, okay. This was really more about you than it was about anything else. Well, 15% um, available, so, you know, that means there has to be leagues that have, like, four people in them or something. There's just no way that there's a real league where Tua Tungavailoa is available. I don't believe that for a second. Um, the other, the, you know, the, the, you mentioned a name that we'll bring up. I'll save that because let's bring it back closer to home. Obviously, it was a hellacious weekend for J.K. Dobbins owners and, of course, Ravens fans because of it. Um, I'm assuming that Gus Edwards was owned in most leagues, and so that doesn't really look like it's an option. But the weird part, and I brought this up a little bit on our post-game show on Sunday, is that, Joe, at the beginning of the game, it didn't even look like Gus Edwards was the number two back. It looked like Justice Hill was the number two back. And given that we think that the Ravens wanted to have J.K. Dobbins more involved as a pass catcher and that that's been part of the Todd Munkin offense... It's not like Gus Edwards can't catch a pass, but he's not exactly the back that you want involved in space. I wonder if Justice Hill, I'm not suggesting that you're playing Justice Hill this week, but it feels like you kind of have to pick up Justice Hill because I think there's at least a chance that he moves into a more primary role for the Ravens moving forward. 
everything you said, I agree. I agree with you totally. Uh, before you know, before the injury to Dobbins, uh, I believe if I remember correctly, Hill's first touchdown Dobbins was pre Dobbins being hurt. Um, and but then you're right, Edwards wasn't getting a whole lot of touches. I do think having the ability to be more of a pass catcher was something that Todd Munkin was kind of looking for out of his running backs. And like you said, Edwards, it's not like Edwards can't catch passes, but he's just not, let's just face it, he's not nearly as good as Dobbins or Hill. So, yeah, for fantasy purposes, Edwards is probably taken, especially in Baltimore-based leagues, I would assume he is. Uh, but Hill is somebody you have to scoop up. Uh, what you said is true. I'm not – not ready to start him just yet. Uh, he's another one of those kind of wait and see for me. You know, if we see in week two that he's getting, let's say, 15 touches and Edwards is getting 10, uh, then we're talking about something different moving forward. But I also think uh, keep an eye on Melvin Gordon because, I mean, let's face it, we know that he's been pretty good as a uh, pass catcher over the course of his career as well. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a true three-headed monster moving forward. So it's going to be hard to play any of these guys which is kind of sad because Dobbins, I mean, a lot of people were, you know, reaching for Dobbins thinking he was going to have a really good year. Yeah. I thought was one of those guys as well. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to trust anybody in the Ravens uh, running back room now until we kind of see how things play out. Moving forward. I, I got him in one league and was disappointed I couldn't get him in all three. Like, that, that, ugh, it's, it shakes me. Um, star of stage and screen, our friend Josh Charles wants to know if it's perhaps worth stashing Keaton Mitchell on your roster at this point. That's, I mean, depending on your league size, potentially, but I would be hard-pressed. I think you're going to see the other three guys that I just mentioned. I mean, Hill and Mitchell are kind of have, like, the same profile with, uh, you know, we know how Hill is just phenomenal on special teams, so that's why he gets the nod there. But, no, I, unless you're, like, talking like a 16-team league with super deep benches, I'm not making a move for Mitchell. I, uh, there's a couple other running backs that are probably available out there that will be uh, more beneficial to you. All right, let me let me go back on a couple things. We're chatting with Joe Serpico. We're previewing Waiver Wire Wednesday. It's brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Griffin, you want to tell everybody what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel these days? Yeah, I want to tell you about the R-Bar. You can beat the heat and get ready to rock at the R-Bar at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, located right in the center of the casino floor. The R-Bar features live music on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, and a seasonal rotation of yard drinks, including a vodka Red Bull slush and a frozen Mount Gay rum runner. Try all the different combinations at the R-Bar at Live Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. At Ronald Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLING. All right, so let me go back to – we'll start at quarterback and then we'll go back to running back. Because I always – I fail to ask the questions the appropriate way, which is who are you actually using a waiver wire priority on versus just waiting to see – if they're available come Thursday, and I'm assuming that's different if you're an Aaron Rodgers owner versus just an owner of, you know, a quarterback that had a rough week, and so you want to try to take a shot on. When we're talking about that group of Love and and Richardson and Purdy, maybe and Matt Stafford, who of that group are you actually putting a waiver wire claim in on, and who are you just saying no, wait, and if they're available on on Wednesday afternoon, then talk about it then. Uh, for me, again, because I am a Rogers, I'm going to have to make a different decision than most people will. But, but, but you know, no, that's you're relevant. Somebody, you're not the you're only Rogers trying... owner. There's lots of Rogers yeah. owners. So, so you're yeah, saying exactly. So, okay, so Rogers I owners would... should put a claim in on who? Jordan Love, the one that I, the, the first one that okay. I mentioned. Uh, I just like what I saw. Again, I did, you know, I did allude to, you know, Bears defense is not the greatest in the world. Uh, but I just like what we saw from him. 
I think we're in line to see the Packers run of just having these generational quarterbacks uh, continue. Uh, I think a lot of people forget who Love was compared to coming out of the draft. Uh, it was a guy that plays in Kansas City. Uh, that's pretty pretty good. Uh, now I'm not saying he's going to be that guy, but I just like what I saw in week one, and that was without Christian Watson, uh, who I think is going to be a star for them this year. So I, I like what I saw out of Love. If I had to, well, I have to obviously, but even if you know, if you're on the lower end and you I mean, kind of have one if, of the weaker if, if Russell ones, Wilson, yeah, right. If, if Russell Wilson is your starting quarterback, then it sounds like you know maybe it's worth putting something in for Jordan Love. Exactly. Yeah. So I would definitely put in waiver claim for you know, let's say a couple bucks for for Jordan Love. Everybody else, I'm kind of waiting to see. Again, it all depends on your league size. I think you might be able to sneak by and maybe. Carr Stafford could still be there for you. Uh, and I, we didn't really like what I saw from uh, Sam Howell in week one or Kenny Pickett, let's face it, but those are still guys that I'm kind of keeping an eye on moving forward as well. All right, I want to make sure I set the record straight. Uh, Josh Charles wants me to let you know he, he definitely wasn't – he was asking me, like from a, a real football standpoint, about Keaton Mitchell. He's not planning on putting Keaton Mitchell on his fantasy team, and he doesn't want me to disparage him because he's won many a fantasy league. It's very important that we make sure that we set the record straight, that that wasn't a fantasy football question. I love you, buddy. All right, right now, uh, to the running back position, if you're a J.K. Dobbins owner versus not, it, is there someone that you're actually putting in a waiver claim on at running back this week? Uh, Kenneth Gainwell would be my top ad at running back. Uh, it was surprised and active to see Rashad Penny uh, not in the lineup at all for the Eagles this week. And then uh, DeAndre Swift, who was the highest, uh, drafted Eagle, only got two touches. It was uh, basically the Kenneth Gainwell show. Uh, some are saying that maybe, you know, the fact that they had a Thursday night game might be playing a little bit into that. I'm not buying into any of that. I think Gainwell was the guy they were talking about was going to be the RB1 in Philly the entire offseason. Just a lot of people didn't believe it, considering that they signed Penny and made the trade for Swift. But based on what we saw this week, you know, Gainwell is the number one. As long as he's tied to the Eagles offense, he's a guy you absolutely want to add. Uh, another one. So that's, being it, hang on, that's, that's a claim that you're putting in no matter what. Not even just if you're a Swift owner, like anybody could be trying to put in a claim for Kenneth Gainwell. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. He's one of those guys. He's, for me, he's one of the few must adds this week just because we kind of now have some clarity uh, about that backfield situation. Okay. All right. Now, to wide receiver, because you brought up the name. And I was able to get him in every league besides the one that I share with Ken Zalis, and I know you were disappointed about it too. Puka Nakua has changed the world. He is the most exciting thing to ever happen in the history of fantasy football. I imagine that it's worth putting in a claim for Puka Nakua no matter what your circumstances are, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it was good. You know, there's a lot of guys going into the into the season that you know the hype doesn't live up to it. Uh, there was a lot of preseason hype about Nakua even before the injury to uh, to Cooper Cup. You know, would he take over as the number two as opposed to Van Jefferson? Uh, what we saw on Sunday was he took over Cooper Cup's role uh, with 15 targets, to, you know, 10 receptions. Uh, obviously, most people were probably. If you had him rostered, you probably had him on your bench yep. uh, because it was kind of one of those wait-and-see kind of approach things. Uh, but kind of moving forward, as long as he's getting those kind of targets, he's going to be somebody you absolutely have to consider for your flex spot. So, yeah, he's one, whether it be him or uh, Gainwell, those are my top two ads 
for this week, absolutely. Um, I'm not saying to go overboard with your spending to get those two, but uh, and I wish I could uh, attribute to what podcast it was that I heard this on. But basically they said something along the lines of, most of the time in week one is where you find your best waiver wire pickups because we can kind of see how things have played out after all the hype after uh, after the preseason. So you know, if you want one of these guys, if you're you know hurting that running back or you're hurting that receiver, go out, get Gainwell, get um, Puka Nakua, spend a little bit extra just because week one, week two is when you're going to get your best free agent finds on the waiver wire. Now, Griffin, go ahead. Uh, sticking with the Rams offense, but that running back situation, what do you think of Kyron Williams? Another situation where I am a Cam Akers owner, so mm-hmm. I am a little concerned about that, considering not only did he uh, score the two touchdowns, uh, with, you know, Akers had more touches in the grand scheme of things, but it was Williams who had the more snaps and was also a factor in the, uh, the past game as well. Uh, so that's definitely a situation to keep an eye on. I was one of those that was under the impression that based on who we saw last year from Akers in the second half, it would be all his job. But you never know with Sean McVay and these running backs. Uh, you know, we saw last year the Akers was a doghouse. Who knows what's going on there? So yeah, I, I'm putting in a claim for, for Williams uh, just to kind of see if he is going to be that guy that takes over there. Um, but I'm not going, you know, too crazy on the fat money to grab him. But yeah, if you need some running back help, he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on as well. All right, let's fly through uh, any of the other wide receiver group: Zay Jones, Tutu Atwell. I know everybody's talking about Shahid in New Orleans, Dobbs, maybe anybody else from that group that is worthy of waiver claim this week. Uh, for a claim, I would say what we saw from Dobbs last week. Uh, he's somebody I would consider as a, maybe a wide receiver two, maybe you know wide receiver three this week, especially if Watson's out again. Uh, there was reports all off season that there was a chemistry between Dobbs and Love. Uh, we saw that this week with the two touchdowns, and it was clearly that that was his go-to guy. Uh, we'll see how that changes once Watson's in the, wa- the lineup. He might not get nearly you know all the same targets, but I I like that duo a lot this year. Uh, as I mentioned before, I do like Love moving forward too. So. Yeah, that would be the one receiver other than Puka Nakua that I would maybe put in a waiver claim for. Other than that, it's more, you know, wait until the, the waiver wire process and see if you can snatch them up before anybody else. All right, and then I assume if you're, like, for example, I made the regrettable decision of going with Isaiah Likely as a Mark Andrews owner. That, that stunk. Um, so I'm sort of sitting here scratching my head like, well, what do I do this time? By the way, I feel really good about the fact that I doubled up on tight ends and went with George Kittle. Uh, coming back around in our league. You ever going to make fun of me and mock me all you want? Felt really good about that decision. But now I'm stuck with the, I can't. I don't want to put a waiver claim in because Mark Andrews, maybe he's back this week. But if he's not, who is the guy that I'm hoping is sitting there to pick up? Who should I grab on Thursday and drop Isaiah Likely for to be my backup plan if Mark Andrews can't go? Well, I fell in the same trap as you, thinking that Isaiah likely would be a solid, you know, the streaming play uh, with Andrews. So I can't fault you there. Um, for me, it was the opposite of the guy who I mentioned on Thursday night. I mentioned Trey McBride, thinking yeah. uh, that Zach Ertz wasn't going to play as somebody who you could potentially play in relief of Kelsey. Well, it turned out to be that Zach Ertz played. Not only did Zach Ertz play, he had 10 targets. Now, he didn't do a whole lot with him. Six catches for 21 yards, so he really did absolutely nothing with it. Um, but to see the 10 targets, that was very encouraging for a guy who just came off uh, a knee injury kind of late in the season last year. 
Um, but Ertz, when he was on the field last last year, and even prior to that, after the trade from uh, Philly to the Cardinals, he's been a top six fantasy tight end. So that is definitely somebody that I am 100% trying to grab if you need tight end help. Um, the other guy would be somebody who's a little bit closer to home, considering he's a former Ravens first-round pick. Uh, uh, Hayden Hurst, yeah. he led the uh, Panthers in targets, receptions, receiving yards, and he scored a touchdown for them as well. Uh, and, I, you know, we know how rookie quarterbacks kind of lean towards their tight ends. Uh, Frank Reich's offense is a tight end-friendly offense as well. So I can see Hayden Hurst uh, being a guy who – more of your back-end tight end one, borderline tight end two, uh, but somebody who looks like he's going to be a factor in that pass game. All right. At Joe Serp on Twitter is how you follow him, and Griffin will link up uh, the piece that he did for PressBox with this week's waiver wire suggestions. He'll be joining us every Tuesday throughout the season to preview waiver wire Wednesday and go through who you should be picking up, who you should just be waiting for. We'll be doing this every week. Joe Serpico, appreciate you, brother. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday, all right? Absolutely. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks, pal. Joe Serpico brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel will be joining us every Tuesday to preview Waiver Wire Wednesday throughout the course of the season. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. We'll stay right here, yes, Griffin, because uh, we're going to head down to Norfolk. Struggle with it. Norfolk? It's not Norfolk. I know that. Norfolk, Norfolk, I think, is what I came around to is the way that I'm going to say it, Norfolk. But I think it's supposed to actually be like Norfolk. I don't We had this conversation with him last time, and I still didn't really nail it. Because we are getting ready for John Means Day tonight. John Means, Adam Wainwright, the pitching matchup for Game 2 of the Orioles-Cardinals series. And, of course, it's the first time since last April that John Means will take the mound for the Baltimore Orioles. So what exactly are the Orioles going to get? What should we be expecting? What's reasonable to expect from John Means as he makes his return to the Orioles rotation? The man to ask is the man that has been watching him pitch recently and calling his games. He is, of course, our friend in the play-by-play voice of the Norfolk Tides. He is Mr. Pete Mishu, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Pete, it's Glenn in Baltimore. Always great to catch up, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us with last-minute notice today. Oh, no problem, Glenn. My pleasure. Pete, I, I, you know, we're all very excited, as you would imagine, in Baltimore. This is John Means that we're talking about. Like, this is a beloved figure, someone who's been through – all of the tough days provided, you know, the moments that were still worth celebrating in some dark seasons for the Baltimore Orioles. That said, this is someone who hasn't pitched since last April. What have you seen? What should we be expecting as John Means makes his return to Baltimore? Well, that's the you know million-dollar question that I'm not sure if anybody has an exact answer to it because, you know, as you certainly noted, uh, you know, the guy pitched two games in April of last year has effectively you know, been out of the game for a year and a half, uh, has only had six rehab appearances. Now, certainly the Orioles must be confident uh, that he's ready to go and can be effective if they're, you know, putting him uh, back in after a month of rehab. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see what we get tonight, uh, but certainly very promising what we saw uh, in his rehab stints. He made uh, three with Double A Bowie and then three with the Tides. I know when talking with John, uh, you know, just very, very briefly, 
after his first appearance against Durham on the 25th and then one on the road uh, on the uh, 31st of August uh, in Worcester, uh, he was very happy with the progression that he had made in that first outing against Durham. He said there were, you know, a lot of little things he needed to clean up and, you know, didn't get really specific with me about, you know, the technicalities of pitching, not that I would you know, understand, you know, spin rates and, and grips and, you know, hitting yeah. exact locations. But I know he was not terribly happy with it. Felt a lot happier with the way things went uh, in Worcester in that second outing. He only gave up a one hit over five innings there and picked up the win and then was limited to 45 pitches, I think it was, or 67, I should say, in his last outing after 86, the one before, which certainly is an indication that they feel he's ready to go. They just wanted to give him a little uh, last tune-up. Uh, so, you know, I, he obviously feels like he's ready. The Orioles feel like he's ready, and only time will tell tonight. It's clear that the entire time, while the conversation was going on up here, like, hey, what's the John Means' role going to be? It was always quite clear that the Orioles were targeting him starting again because that's what he was doing and stretching out a little bit as he was going five innings. Did he look like someone who was laboring to get through to the? I mean, I hate putting them in this spot, Pete, but like the Orioles have some innings problems up here, right? Like they've got issues, right. and they'd be in a tough spot if John Means could only go three. That that would be very problematic for this team at the moment. Did he look like someone who was comfortably pitching into the fifth and and maybe could have even gone beyond that? Yeah, he absolutely did. Uh, even in his last appearance, he gave up three runs on six hits, but you know, didn't appear uncomfortable. Didn't appear as if he, uh, you know, was not doing what he was out there attempting to do. And he only needed uh, 67 pitches to get through those five innings. So, uh, you know, I think the fact that he went, you know, four and third, five and five in his last two outings of the ties uh, has the Orioles comfortable that he can at least give them that much. I wouldn't be expecting him to do any more than that just coming back off the long right. layoff and the surgery uh but you know again i would think that he could comfortably go out there and give them you know five innings tonight and you know one big number that jumped out at me was the swing and miss rate in mm-hmm. his last two appearances he did not have a lot of swings and misses in his three appearances down at double a uh and then in his first appearance with the tides but in his last two he had 12 swings and misses, and that number really jumped out at me, you know, telling me that he was hitting locations, he was getting the desired movement on his pitches, and that was one stat that really stuck in my mind from those last two appearances. Uh, understandable if you don't. Do you happen to remember what his velocity was? <sighs> Off the top of my head, yeah, I, I don't. I, I, I understand, the, Peter. Trust me, I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> you got a, you got a very yeah. crowded sheet in front of you with a lot of information. Right. In fact, what I remember more about his two outings, not so much the fastball, but the breaking stuff. He threw a lot of breaking pitches, and that sort of indicated to me that that was what he wanted to work on, uh, that he probably felt that needed a little more fine-tuning uh, to have the breaking ball, the changeup, uh, perhaps working better, because it seemed like I saw a lot of that off-speed stuff. Interesting. Boy, that is really interesting. Is there anything else that jumped out at you in watching John Means? Like anything you mentioned the, the swing and miss, and I do think that's relevant. Anything else that jumped out at you like, huh, this is this this is maybe encouraging. This is something that's at least worth monitoring as he makes his first start back tonight. Well, I, I think just the general sense, especially from that first appearance against Durham to his last two. 
uh, that, you know, he just looked like John Means to me. Wow. He looked like a guy who's ready to go. He looked confident, uh, confident. He looked comfortable. And, you know, he just looked like a guy who was just kind of tweaking a few things, just getting, you know, comfortable on the mound once again. Uh, didn't appear, you know, to be a- at all, you know, out of place despite the long layoff. And that's, you know, just the general sense that jumped out to me in watching him. So, you know, I think he's ready to go. Now, obviously, there might be a little rust. I would, there might be a lot of rust to shake off, and hopefully he's shaken most of it off uh, with those six rehab outings. But, again, he hasn't faced major league pitching. So, you know, he, he might make a few mistakes here and there, but that's to be expected. And a good opportunity here to get down here with a few weeks to go in the year and hopefully have him, you know, really peaking, you know, coming the postseason. Pete Misha. Not that uh, – Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead, Pete. It's a dress for me. I, mean, I, I, I was just going to say, that, you know, obviously, because he was on the 60-day IL right. at midnight on the 31st, even though he wasn't on the big league roster, he is eligible for the postseason. Yep, unlike uh, Jorge Lopez, for example, who is not because right. he arrived here after that date. Pete Mishu, Norfolk Tides play-by-play voice with us here on GCR. Pete, you know, on the, the sort of the opposite end of the spectrum, while they were clearly ramping John Means up, it's been the exact opposite scenario with Tyler Wells, who they ramped down when he arrived in Norfolk. What have you seen from Tyler? Because I, I am in kind of a weird place. We reference the Orioles have had some innings problems the last couple of days and could probably use a fresh arm at some point. I, I, I'm a little bit confused as to why Tyler Wells is still pitching but not at the major league level if you weren't just going to shut him down, if you're going to go this route, why wouldn't he be here? What have you seen from Tyler Wells, who we saw was dealing with some fatigue at the point that he got set down over the summer? Yeah, uh, Tyler's a, you know, a strange situation, as you noted, and obviously the, you know, the people in Baltimore that have been watching him all year are much more in tune with, with what's going on with him. And you know, certainly I'm not being given any insight by the people here, even in Norfolk, uh, as to what the thoughts are as to how he's being used and, you know, how often he's going to be used. But, you know, he's had very brief outings. I haven't really seen a lot of him. He's only pitched four times uh, since he's come down and he's been here, what, about three weeks now. So he hasn't pitched all that much. His last outing was just an inning. He looked great, didn't give up a hit, uh, had one strikeout. Uh, but again, I've seen so little of Tyler, it's really difficult to get a gauge on, you know, what they're thinking of him and what they're expecting of him uh, down the stretch. I understand that. It's it's a very, it, it almost in a way, Pete, feels like it's sort of like it is a shutdown. We're just not calling it a shutdown because people don't like the word shutdown. Like, it's, right. it's and, and maybe it's for the best, right? I don't know. I'm certainly not the expert, but it's it's just a very weird way that this has gone. Yeah, yeah, when you look at him, when they first sent him down to Double A, he was pitching three innings, know, three right? Three innings for the most part in all those outings, and he's had four appearances in Norfolk. He's not even totaled four innings over you know nearly three weeks with this team. So you know, I've seen so little of him. I can't really give you much uh, of an insight into him. Um, how exciting has it been? I know he hasn't you know had the torrid pace over his first six games that he's had everywhere else. But how exciting has it been for everybody to have Jackson Holiday there? And are, are you at all starting to think like, well, we might have one playoff run, and that might be all we see of Jackson Holiday with Norfolk at this point? Well, yeah, I've told a lot of people, you know, even back midseason, uh, that I was expecting to see Jackson Holiday at some point this year. Actually, got him a little earlier than I was kind of guessing. 
I thought they might let him finish the double-A season with Bowie and then send him to us, but we get him at the beginning of September. Uh, and I've also told a lot of people, you know, that have asked how long we'll see Jackson Holiday here. And, again, I have nothing from the Tides, nothing from the Orioles, just my speculation. You know, I said my thought is, you know, either he makes the Orioles out of camp next year despite his young age, or he starts with Norfolk and wouldn't be surprised at all if he's gone by the All-Star break next year. I mean, the kid just has an amazing amount of talent. Uh, he's very poised. He's very comfortable for his age. I thought his first game that he played with us, uh, he looked a little anxious, and that's understandable for a 19-year-old kid uh, coming up playing against you know guys who are 5, 6, 8, 10, 12 years older right. than him. A lot of guys with big league experience, he saw some really good breaking balls that he probably didn't see at double-A. He's got to get used to that. But the very next night, even though he didn't get a hit, I thought he looked much more comfortable with his approach at the plate. Uh, he's been very confident. Uh, he does what I noticed from a lot of the Norfolk hitters, and I know this is an organizational thing, to jump on a good first-pitch fastball. We see it a lot from Colton Kowser. We see it a lot from Connor Norby. Even though those guys have been leadoff guys, for the Tides, they're not the prototype old-school leadoff guy that's going to go up there and try to take four, five, six pitches. If these guys get a first-pitch fastball where they like it, they're hacking. And Jackson Holiday is doing the same thing. He's hit a couple of balls very hard. And, you know, while it might take him a few days, a few weeks, a few months, who knows how long before he starts dominating at this level. But just looking at his skill set, uh, the way that he runs, you know, obviously he's going to get bigger and stronger as he fills out and gets a little bit older you know certainly i think the sky's the limit for this young man uh, it is it is wild man it just it just looks like it all comes so easy to him and it's it it shouldn't yep. be that way it just shouldn't be that <laughs> way for someone his age uh tides home this week and then on the road next week and then the championship series is the week after that correct that's correct so the uh, international league championship series starts two weeks from today uh, that'll be a best of three series. As of right now, it would be Norfolk and Durham. Uh, you know, Durham has been sort of the New York Yankees at the International League. Okay. They win all the time. Everybody hates them for it because they're always good. They always win championships. They've won the last two AAA national titles in a row, and they're leading the second half standings right now, although Lehigh Valley uh, and Buffalo are, are still there. Worcester as well with an opportunity. St. Paul still has a chance, but, but right now it would be Norfolk and Durham. Uh, it should be a great series, certainly, you know, hoping that, you know, the Orioles stay healthy so the Tides can keep their guys <laughs> and if they can hopefully set the starting rotation up well enough and, and pick up a, a first championship here in Norfolk since 1985. Oh, that would be And how about that, right, with the Orioles and Rays playing big games this week and then the possibility of a championship series between the Tides and Durham. That's pretty cool synergy there as well. Absolutely. Uh, uh, of course, uh, you can watch all the broadcasts, MILB TV, and, uh, and hear Pete's voice. Or if you're down in the area, you can hear him on uh, Fox uh, Sports Radio 1310. At Tides Radio Voice on Twitter is how you follow him. Pete Mishu, always appreciate you, man. Thank you for your insight this morning. Let's talk again real soon, all right? All right. A lot of fun, Glenn. Thank you. Pete Mishu, play-by-play voice of the Norfolk Tides, uh, getting us ready for John Means Day tonight against the St. Louis Cardinals. All right, hour number one. Been busy already, but we still have a lot more to do. Todd Blackledge is going to join us. He was on the call for Maryland's win over Charlotte Saturday night on NBC. Find out what he thought about the Terps. Still to come today, Michael Lombardi, former NFL executive. We'll talk to him about football done right and some Ravens as well. That's all on the way here on Glenn Clark Radio. 
Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland, and DriveEasyMD.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource, home to EasyPass, pay-by-plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. DriveEasyMD.com will keep you moving. All aboard! The Orioles train keeps on moving, and it's ahead of schedule. The birds are motoring towards a playoff run here in 2023 as their magic number keeps getting smaller and smaller. I'm Paul Valley, and you can find me along with Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here on the Bataround. We'll navigate you through the playoff push as the Orioles look to put an exclamation point on what is turning out to be the best season of the last 40 years. So join us on the Orioles train, and let's enjoy the ride together right here on the Bataround. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland Open. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the higher edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR? Chris gets in and says, Glenn, is the performance of quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow in week one just further proof of the theory that people pay have that once you pay your quarterback you're not going to be able to compete 
N- no, Chris. It's it's proof that it's week one. That's what it's proof of. I look. I I say I understand where you're coming from. That what you're saying, um, it, it's always kind of made sense. The people that have had these theories of like, well, you know, it's it hurts you because you can't put quite the same team around that quarterback once you've paid them. But I always came back. You're right. Now, what happens when you have a great team and no quarterback? Tell me who the team is that you have faith in that's that's got a, a loaded roster and no quarterback. I get it. It's weird. Joe Burrow struggled. Patrick Mahomes was okay. I mean, that I don't think it was Patrick Mahomes' fault. Lamar Jackson wasn't overwhelming. I understand. Now, tell me which team... With a meh quarterback, you feel better about than them. If you want to put Jared Goff in the meh quarterback category, maybe you could say the Lions. I I, I guess we all treated Brock Purdy like he was a meh quarterback, but starting to think he's a bit more than that remains to be seen. So like, if you want to use the 49ers as an example, I, I guess that's the case, but I don't think they're winning in spite of Brock Purdy. Like, I think that they just happened to have hit on a quarterback that we didn't see coming because he was the last pick in the draft. I also just think that we all want to have big, bold, declarative statements to be made after one week of football, and that's just not how football works. One week is not nearly enough of a sample size in order to make a statement about any of these things. I I felt uh, power rankings will be up today at pressboxonline.com. And I felt the pain of that because, like, the Bengals were so bad. So how do I react to that? How do do you reflect that? All you've seen from them in one week this season is really bad. But do I actually believe that's what they are versus just a bad week? No, I, I don't think so. So I can only drop them so far in power rankings. Jets were the most difficult one because like, we know definitively they're a worse team than they were, and yet they won the football game that they played. So what do you do with that? Power rankings will be up uh, shortly at PressBoxOnline.com for week two. Uh, in week two of college football season, Maryland got off to a sluggish start. It was hairy there for a second before they ultimately settled down and in the second half pulled away from Charlotte to improve to 2-0 on this season. Our next guest was on the call, NBC college football analyst and former quarterback himself. He is Mr. Todd Blackledge, and he is with us now here on GCR. Todd, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. Good I'm, to be with you. It's good to chat with you. It was uh, it was a really weird night in College Park on Saturday night, right, between the weather and then – a slow start and Charlotte being fired up. Uh, ultimately, if Maryland fans are doing the bit where they almost feel like they have to apologize for the fact that their team won a football game on Saturday night, what would your message be to them about what it is that you saw and how to appropriately react to a win, but kind of an awkward win on Saturday? Well, the first thing is you just said it's a win and, and winning in college football is not easy. And, uh, you know, I think the mistake would be made if, if you, you know, if you're a Maryland fan and look at this and say, wow, we should have blown this team out. Um, Charlotte is a much better football team 
than people uh, understand. And I know this because I live in Charlotte. I'm really good friends with Biff Pogey. Uh, I've been out to see their practice. I know what he did to their roster. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, everybody's marveling at what Dion did at Colorado by transforming a roster, you know, and uh, it wasn't quite the same amount of new players, but a whole lot of transfers that came into Charlotte and some high level players, particularly on their defense. So, uh, so I knew this was a good defensive football team and that they would be able to compete uh, on, on a stage like that. I was also impressed that you know, having so many guys from the DMV area on the Charlotte team that they played within themselves. They didn't get all emotional. They didn't make dumb mistakes and they just went out and competed, you know? And, and so, so first of all, that would be my first thing that this is a much better team in Charlotte than maybe anybody thought. Secondly, I would say, uh, you know, from Maryland's standpoint, it was a gritty win, you know, I mean, things didn't go well. I mean, Talia had the pick six on his first mm -hmm. throw. I mean, they're down 14 to nothing at home right away. And, but they never panicked, you know, he didn't panic. Their team didn't panic. Locks didn't panic. And they just kept plugging away. And, and, you know, it was a pretty even game through three quarters. And then ultimately, you know, Maryland kind of wore them down. And uh, so to me, it was a pretty good win because the team they were playing was better than people think. Todd, the the concern I thought coming out of the first game of the season, going into week two for Maryland, it was the offensive line, right? And and I don't think that we we still have an answer yet, but I, it almost feels like at times the offensive line concerns are maybe making Lee a little bit skittish. I, how concerned are you? As, as a Maryland team wants to take a step forward, you guys talked a lot, you and Noah on the broadcast, about – you know, Mike Loxley's words before the season and how he's phrasing that we believe we can be competing for a Big Ten title. But with the expectation that Maryland right. could be a program that steps forward, how concerned would you be that the offensive line might ultimately be the thing that prevents them from being able to do that? Well, I do think that that is, is still an area that needs to improve, um, you know, and I think their depth needs to improve. You know, they're, they're battling some injury up there as well, so they're a little thin. Uh, probably more so at that position than anywhere else on their team. So uh, certainly, you know, outside of Delmar Glaze, the, the, the rest of that group needs to really, you know, improve and they need to gel. And, you know, with an offensive line, um, you know, my dad was an offensive line coach for a lot of years, both in college and the NFL. And, and that group, especially when you have new guys, normally takes the longest to gel and come together because they have to really have, you know, be on the same page, all five guys communicating well and, and working in unison. And that doesn't happen overnight. So that group, you know, can, can definitely get better and will need to get better because, you know, as elusive as Talia can be, um, you know, he, he still can't afford to, you know, get knocked around very much and take hits that he doesn't need to and, and get sacked, you know, as many times as he did last year. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and, and again, for them to take that step, I think I think their skill is is good. You know, good enough to compete with anybody in the league. Um, but up front, if you're going to beat Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State this year, you know, you've got to be able to be tough in the trenches. And you know, for the offensive line, that's that's going to be the challenge. Oh, I, I think it's a I think it's a, a serious you know sort of separator for where Maryland is and where you want them to be. 
to, to the point about Leah's play, because you make out the pick six, he threw two interceptions. Do, do you feel like it's impacting him? Like, do you feel like the, the play of the offensive line is maybe making that clock move a little bit too quickly? We know how good that young man is capable of being. The skill set is unreal, but it, it seems like we don't ever, we don't get to see like the perfect version of Leah a whole lot. And it almost feels like it's because he almost feels rushed at times. You know, I don't think, well, in the case of the two interceptions, I don't think either interception was caused by him being uncomfortable in the pocket or feeling rushed. I think, you know, the first one, he just kind of got fooled on the coverage, was expecting one thing and, and, and got something else. And then on the second interception, it was just ball placement. You know, I mean, he, he threw it too far to the inside where the safety had a chance to come over and make a play on it. If he throws it towards the back cone in the end zone, it, it's at worst case incomplete and probably a touchdown if he puts the ball in the right place. So I don't, you know, I didn't see too many situations where he looked harried or hurried or frazzled. You know, I thought, you know, uh, I thought he made a lot of nice plays and a lot of nice throws. And again, the biggest thing, and, and even talking to, you know, Mike Loxley during the week, you know, they've, he's an emotional kid, right? He's, he's a little different than Tua in that regard. I covered Tua a lot at Alabama and, mm -hmm. you know, he, you know, sometimes can wear his emotions on his sleeve and, and they talk about him just being able to kind of go one play to the next and kind of get back to neutral. And I thought he did a great job of that. I really did. I thought he showed, you know, leadership on the sidelines, talking to his guys and, and then making plays and, and not panicking when things, you know, weren't perfect. And, you know, if you want to be a great team, you've got to find ways to win games like that um, when everything's not going exactly right. Was there anything else about seeing Maryland in person that you came away from on a, on a positive standpoint? Like, hey, this was better than I expected it to be. This player impressed me more than I realized he was. Anything that you would take and file away and say, hey, if they are going to make that jump, you know, th this might be a, a reason why they're capable of it that I, I needed to see up close and personal in order to have that feel for. Yeah, I was very impressed with Roman Hemby. Uh, first of all, obviously, he ran for a lot of yards. And, you know, they they were very uh, straightforward in saying, you know, we, we need to play him more in this game, too. We need to get his hands on the football more uh, because he can make good things happen. And, and he does, you know. So I think I was impressed with him. And then really all, their whole defense was impressive to me. Uh, you know, I, I thought that they played hard. I thought that they, you know, they're good in the back end, even though I know they lost a couple corners to the draft. I thought they covered up receivers well. I thought they ran well. Um, you know, they seemed to be in the right place at the right time. They, you know, they blew, they blew a coverage on the long touchdown. I think Jaquan Shepard, you know, took a guess and tried to come up on the underneath throw, thinking that's where the ball was going, and it got thrown over his head. But, you know, and I think there was maybe one other time that happened in the game. Um, but for the most part, I thought defensively they were really solid and, uh, you know, played as a, as a good unit. And, you know, and I think, again, I think they, you know, they were, they were better defensively last year statistically than they had been in the past. You know, they finished the season strong the last couple of games, not allowing a touchdown. And so, um, you know, I, I think that was – I needed to see that, and, and I came away pretty impressed with their defense. Is there any weight that you feel like this team is carrying because now we're talking about them? And like, in, in the past couple of years, there's been no expectation. There's been no kind of burden of pressure. Do you almost feel like there's at all 
again, a- around here, they were down 14 nothing, and there was panic, right? Like, what is going right. on? This is, do, you, do you worry at all that there's a little bit of a weight that a young team is carrying, a team that's never been there, is carrying because there are expectations this season? I don't know. I don't know that that's the case. I think the fact that they have the most experienced quarterback in the league, um, who's also very talented, you know, and I think, I think, you know, situations like that are like what happened in the first quarter. There are, are times for him to really be a leader. And I think he was, you know, and, and I made the point on the air, you know, it's not just the guys in the offensive huddle that are looking at him to see how he responds to adversity. It's it's everybody on the sideline. It's everybody on the defense. It's the whole team watching him and then following him. And I think, you know, I think that's how they responded. So, um, again, I, I think, you know, comparing, you know, what they might have looked like in game one to game two. And, you know, most people say, well, you make the most improvement from week one to week two. And I think they were a better team. Uh than they were in week one. But I also think Charlotte was a much better team than Towson, you know? So uh, it's a matter of just continuing to build. They got one more non-conference game, you know, and it's a very winnable game, uh, even though it's a power five team in Virginia. Um, But Maryland should be the favorite to win that game at home. And so, uh, and then they get into the, the big 10 conference. So you just want to build at this point, you know, and, and, and kind of get better each week before you start conference play. And uh, I kind of like, you know, I like the pieces that I see. I like the skill, um, you know, the, the development and the growth of the offensive line is, is going to make, make or make the difference going you, forward. You mentioned, of course, that then they get into conference play, that's going to be Michigan state. And I know that what's happening at Michigan state is the biggest story in the conference at the moment. So I want to make sure I phrase this question, right? Because Lord knows that's not something that you or I has any insight on or could possibly, you know, have a conversation about from a football standpoint over the first couple of weeks of the season. What to you has jumped out the most positive, negative, you know, as far as what we've actually seen on the field, what's been the biggest story for you in the Big Ten so far this season, Tom? In the Big Ten, uh, you know, I I would say that – you know, I think the play of J.J. McCarthy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think we all expected Michigan to be good. I mean, they're kind of the team to beat. They've been that the last two years. And, you know, with their own distractions, with what's happened with Jim Harbaugh and not being there and, you know, Sharon Moore not being there week one and and all of that, they seem to have just been very, you know, going about their business and taking care of business and, and playing two teams that they should have handled, and they did. So, you know, I think that's been impressive. Um, you know, Rutgers being two and zero right now. I mean, the, it's probably been a long time since they've been two and zero, and 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 that's good for them. Um, you know, the, the the on the negative side, and I I really like Matt Rule a lot, and uh, you know, he's a, a former Penn State mm-hmm. linebacker, and I like him, and and I think he's an excellent coach. Um, but it's been gut wrenching to watch them the first two games. You know, one was the loss to Minnesota, a conference game, and then at Colorado, at Colorado last weekend. And I mean, if you ever wonder how much turnovers change a game or take away your opportunity to win, um, I just watch Nebraska the first two weeks, you know, and, and poor Jeff Sims, the quarterback transfer who came in from Georgia tech has just had a hard time taking care of the football. And, and, um, you know, that's been the difference for them in, in two games. So, um, that, you know, I guess that's kind of my, 
my thing. You know, I think everybody was ready to kind of panic about Ohio State in week one and their new quarterback and, you know, what's what's going on with the offense. And mm-hmm. they were better this past week, you know. And I think by the time they get, you know, to South Bend in week four, uh, we'll see we'll see an Ohio State offense kind of clicking the way we're used to seeing. Uh, Todd, where are you headed this week? I'm going to Purdue. Uh, so uh, I've got Syracuse, who's coming in 2-0, and but has not played a, a major team yet. Uh, but they've uh, got a nice quarterback in Garrett Schrader, who transferred from Mississippi State a couple years ago. So uh, they're coming into Purdue, and, and Purdue – you know, found a way to win uh, in Blacksburg, you know, sitting sitting and waiting to play for about six hours, uh, you know, on a, on a weather delay. So that was a big, big win for them on the road. And uh, so now they're one and one and we get to see them against Syracuse. I remember a year ago, that was a game where there was something like uh, five touchdowns in the fourth quarter or something like that. It was a crazy game. Yeah, a crazy Purdue, game. Right. Purdue really crazy. Yeah. Todd Blackledge, uh, it was good to have you in College Park on Saturday night. Sorry we couldn't do better for, with you for the weather. We'll try to work on that for the next time yeah. you guys end up here this <laughs> yeah, season. Yeah, that was that was a bummer because I think the crowd would have been yeah. better. It would have been you know, a fun atmosphere. because, uh, And that was the first time I've ever done a game at Maryland. I, there's, I've been doing this for about 30 years, and I was counting the other day, you know, of all the Power 5 schools, including Notre Dame, I think there's only – maybe five places that I had never been to, to call a game. And Maryland was one of them. So, uh, so it was good to be there. But uh, unfortunately, the weather kind of put a little bit of a damper on it. We will try to put in a word with the people that we know to improve upon it for the next time. All right. I'll try to see what power <laughs> okay, we that have for good. you next time you end up here. Todd, appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time for us this morning. Uh, take care. Bye-bye. Todd Blackledge, uh, NBC college football analyst, of course, former quarterback at uh, Penn State. Appreciate him taking the time for us this morning. It's just a weird, and I mentioned it briefly. I don't know what to make of it. You know, in a perfect world, it's sort of like talking about the Ravens, right? In a perfect world, Maryland scored 70 points in both their first two games. And basically anything short of that, you're going to be disappointed in because you discredit the opponents. It's sort of the way that we felt after watching the Ravens on Sunday. If the, the Ravens had played the the Bengals in week one and had won by a score of 25 to nine, we'd all say, hell yeah, it's Super Bowl. Let's go, baby. But they played the Texans. And so anything short of basically doing what the Cowboys did, to the Giants, we were going to find ourselves kind of being a little bit disappointed by. And in college football, like, again, anything short of putting up 50, 60 points and running teams out of the gym, you're going to find yourself saying, well, are they really, are they really? going to be a threat in the Big Ten? Are they really going to be able to do that? And the truth is we have no idea because they're they're moving towards that. As Todd pointed out, they're playing Virginia on Friday night. That's not, again, likely to be all that threatening of an opponent. But you just hope they continue to get better as they move towards conference play. Conference opener will be back on NBC one week from Saturday against Michigan State, which, of course, is one of the weirdest. I, I, I don't even want to talk. I, I, yeah. hate, I hate saying this. I have no idea how to talk about what's happening at Michigan State. It's, it's, it's potentially awful. At the same time, there appears to be some level of unknown or ambiguity about what was actually going on. If Mel Tucker really was being a creep, I, I've 
chatted with Brenda Tracy before because she spoke at Maryland. I think she was, you know, an, an unbelievable guest. I mean, I conversation we had with Brenda Tracy moved me. Um, I, I, it's such an off. I I hate that. Th- I got to be honest with you. Twenty years ago, this was like the fodder. This is what people wanted in sports media coverage. I have no interest. I I would like for that to be handled. I think Michigan State did the right thing to say, hey, we got it. You can't coach until we figure it out. I know that a lot of people would say it feels like anymore once that happens, there's no coming back from it, that it almost doesn't matter what you end up learning in the process, that once a coach has been sidelined, they almost never return to that role. That's probably true. I don't know that. I mean, I, I haven't done math on it. Of course, remember that Maryland tried to have a coach return to the sideline a couple years ago, which was bat-ass insane. One of the most bonkers decisions anyone made. Thankfully, it was ripped up. But what a, what a bizarre, bizarre spot, man. What a, I, I just don't have... I, I, I do believe that Mel Tucker deserves the right to present his side of the story. It don't it don't yeah. seem good. Like I it was I was reading some of his retort. Like I think this is a real prop. A woman accepting a gift from you does not mean that she wants you to apologize if you got kids, we can maybe skip forward a couple of minutes. Masturbate to her on the phone. This correlate this notion that well we I, clearly we had a personal relationship because I sent her gifts, and she accepted them. No 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 no. It don't work that way. That's not consent for anything you do. Now I also get it. It's it doesn't mean that Mel Tucker is a rapist, right, or something like that, but it's not okay. And I do understand that Brenda Tracy, if you know her story and what she speaks about, the trauma that she has experienced as a rape survivor, I can understand why this would be impact her trauma. It's not okay even if it's somebody who hasn't experienced that type of trauma. But worse if that's the case. But is there more to it? Uh, you know, if if presented other messages, was there more of a consensual you know, sexual relationship. I don't know. I don't know. And I that's why I don't... It's hinky talking about it. The only thing I can say from afar is it feels like the right thing to do was... The suspension. You're, you're not going to coach until... Yeah. It, and it, whether you call it a suspension, I, I I almost don't like that we call it suspension as much as a... I guess you have leave, to call it. A, something yeah. A leave, yeah. I think, is probably the more appropriate way of saying it. What you're not gonna do is be a public face of the of the university of the program until we have all of the facts, or as much of the facts as we possibly can have. And I think that's the appropriate thing to do in the interim, long term. You know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what I happens. Mean, yeah. But it seems unlikely that that's all squared away before Maryland plays Michigan State next Saturday. It's one week from this Saturday. It seems like that will still very much be an issue that is being dealt with as uh, those teams get together a week from Saturday. Oh, what an unpleasant. Yeah. Man, I I have just no interest in that. 
I, I get it. It's important and it matters and we got to... And sometimes it's it's far easier once the evidence is presented. You're like, yeah, there's really no ambiguity here. This one, I I, I don't I didn't read through everything, right? So I the, but I when in reading the like first the first page of the report of what Mel Tucker presented was like, well, it's clear that we had a personal relationship. She acknowledged that she accepted gifts from me. I'm like, whoa, boy. You don't actually think that that's a defense of you can't you can't believe that that accepting gifts then rises to you boy. So I would have to read more of it to have any actual. I didn't I didn't spend my day that way. I was reading football done right Ooh. from our next guest Michael that Lombardi. That one's pretty yeah, good. I was reading that one. Eh, well, some no. things. That, <laughs> no, it was it's a good read, but I. <laughs> There's an Art Modell passage in there right, that we're gonna have to that. we're gonna have to talk about when we chat with Michael Lombardi here. Fight about. Um, I'm gonna do my best. Like I understand his point. I do. I get it. Like if you really just wanted to view Art Modell, the owner, Marty Schottenheimer was a wildly successful head coach, who he fired because he told he meddled. He told Marty Schottenheimer, "You got to hire an offensive coordinator." Marty Schottenheimer said, "I won't," and then he fired him. And Marty Schottenheimer had been wildly successful. At that point, obviously not a championship, but just about everything but. Paul Brown was one of the great coaches in football history, and he fired him. The Bill Belichick one I'll push back on a little bit. Like Bill Belichick's time in Cleveland was not successful. He had one good season. And I get it. It was awkward what was going on with the team moving. And, you know, I'm guessing Michael Lombardi, having been there and working for him at the time, is going to say to me, well, we would have had a better season had that not happened. Maybe, but on the whole – you present to me that record, like from Bill Belichick, you're hard not gonna, to. you're not gonna get me to say, well, clearly Art Modell should have known that Bill Belichick was gonna go on to be the greatest coach of all time. And at some point, we're gonna have to have the awkward conversation about the fact that we know definitively Bill Belichick is not nearly as good without Tom Brady as he was with him. There's no real ambiguity left there, which doesn't mean that it was all Tom Brady and not Bill Belichick. It's just that like. I don't know where we would talk about Bill Belichick if it had not been for Tom Brady. I don't know how that works. And that's also, by the way, something that was brought up in this book as it's a, a interesting history of football type of book, and we'll talk about it. All right, that's on the way. Um, today's show. Actually, just a reminder. I misspoke yesterday. Stan and Ross and Luke had postponed to today. Mm. So today is the day that they are getting together. 3.30 this afternoon. Ahead of John Means' season debut, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson will preview the return of John Means this afternoon, 3.30, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video if you miss it live, but live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Stan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson getting together today, 3.30, talking baseball and previewing John Means' return. We'll come back in and talk to Michael Lombardi next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. 
best and use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at DriveEZMD.com. We'll keep you moving. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership, a press box, and great ace memorabilia. Gambling problem? Visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, September 12th at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill, 5506 Harford Road. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking, check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Light Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland open. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. A Project Game Day returns this Sunday. It is the post-game hangout. After every Ravens game this season, myself, the NFL chick, Rita Hubbard, will be with you, and you can join in the fun. We'll have kind of a rotating cast of characters who'll be hanging out with us throughout the course of the season. But you can join us, too. Because we do the show via Zoom. All you got to do is hop on Twitter at the end of the game, go to Glenn Clark Radio, click on the link. You'll be right there. All the details for Project Game Day. It's going to be a lot of fun. We had a great time with the first one. We'll be doing it all season long. It's all brought to you by Superbook Sports and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. But come join us after Ravens-Bengals on Sunday for Project Game Day. 
All right, I uh, have been diving into this book the last couple of days. It is a, um, a fascinating look at the history of the NFL. It's called Football Done Right. We're going to link it up on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, so that you can check it out and get your copy from Amazon. Joining us now, three-time Super Bowl-winning executive, a man that uh, you hear on VSIN and has been a big part of media for a long time as well. He is Michael Lombardi, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Michael, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking some time for us. No, thank you. Thank you for reading the book. I appreciate it. Um, Michael, you you and I are going to have to have a chat about Art Modell, though, because of that passage. We'll get to that, right? Like, that one jumped off the okay. page. I'll start, though, just with the idea for the book, the concept. Um, it, it reads as you wanting to tell your own view of the history of football. And in that way, it's sort of like a mix between anecdotal, factual. Like It's, it's, it's wild to me because I got to the top 100 players and I was reading some of your thought process about who should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, it, it's kind of all over the place as a history lesson. Well, that's what I tried to do. I mean, you can only write a book through your eyes. I mean, it's hard to do it through someone else's. It doesn't come off as authentic. And I'm glad you said that the way you said it, because uh, that was the intent. I, I tried to make, it's really more about making people aware, right? I mean, we're, this book is going to create conversation, which is great, right? But it also is going to make people aware, aware of how great Sterling Sharp was, aware about Brett Musburger's role in how TV became so popular and the sport just grew a role in what Howard Cosell did for Monday night football, you know, and how the draft came into play and, and how trades ultimately happened and really how the coaching profession has developed and been ongoing. So it's really about, it's about trying to, as, as the, as the subtitle says, set the record straight a little bit on where everything happens and how it all happens. I, I, I really, again, it, it bounces to a lot of places. The, to your point, the, the stuff about Howard Cosell and the first Monday Night Football broadcast and the hot night in Cleveland, um, I don't know why. I've never read more about it. I, it was fascinating to me diving into that. I, 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 yeah. guess, I guess that's a good place to dovetail right into the, the Art Modell thing because I will admit that <laughs> passage jumped off the page at me. And you can understand here in Baltimore we are – Sure. Emotional about that particular topic. I, I, well, he, he rescued your city and I, and I can't argue with that. I I can't. I mean, your city is a great, great sports football town. I mean, diner, the movie, they made a movie out of your city's love of their team. Correct. And your hearts got ripped out. I I can completely understand that. And there's a lot of Colts in my book, right? And there's Ravens in my book too. So, I get where you're coming from on that. The point that you make about trying to judge Art Modell as an owner, and and the part like I, I, I don't really want to fight you about it because I get it, right? Like the the meddling with yeah. Marty, the meddling with Marty Schottenheimer, it it matters. Um, the fact that he was the guy that fired Paul Brown, I I, I guess the one I could say, hey, look, you know, from an objective standpoint. We know what, you know, and I know you were part of it, so I don't want to take a shot at you, but we know what the record was during Bill Belichick's time. Um, And so I don't don't know that you could have assumed at that point that Bill Belichick was definitely going to go on to become the greatest, you know, one of the greatest coaches in football history. But I guess the question is, when you make mistakes or meddle, can nothing outweigh that? And in comparison to, say, you know, an Al Davis, a Jerry Jones, who we know have meddled, um, significantly and, and have gotten some things right and some things wrong. 
is there really nothing that can outweigh in your mind missteps or bad decisions that are made by owners in terms of their value and their place in the history of game of, of the game of football? Well, I mean, Jerry did it once, firing Jimmy. He's never done it three times. And Jimmy is in the Hall of Fame, I think more for, as I write about, as, as a executive as much as he is for a head coach that won and built an incredible team. But Modell, you know, if he just would have fired Paul because he wanted more say, you could understand that. But then to double down, and you could say the Belichick, look, we had a really good team, 11 and five, and we were going places and he moved the team on right. us and pulled the carpet out from us. And, and, and so you judge bills last year off of that year. It's kind of hard. In fact, I, in gridiron genius, I wrote about that. I told the Rams, the next great coach was going to be Bill Belichick. You know, that was that. And I think Ozzy would have said the same thing. We all knew Belichick was great. Now he might not have been the right fit for art. And that's part of what I'm trying to say. Art, was a dip, was a tremendous owner, and I am forever grateful for what he did for my family. Tremendous. However, he was always at the switch of what the media thought, and he never really was able to kind of just stay the course and have trust and faith. He was a lot like Art Rooney Sr. before Dan Rooney took over the team, and I write about this at the Pittsburgh Steelers section of the book. And so – when you want to talk about that, as I said, I think to me, if you fire three of the coaches who are in the top eight of winning in the history of the NFL, it's hard to get you in the Hall of Fame. I get it. I, I Again, I factually, I can't. I just feel like that the other like, there's so much there, though. Right. Like the story of to your you know what you brought up Monday Night Football, the story of the renaissance that he gave this community. And I, and I think that's the heartbreaking part, Michael, is that whenever the conversation comes up. It feels like the Cleveland story is the only story that ever gets told, and it never gets told. What you brought up about our city and how he you know, rescued this city and how much changed for this city, it just feels heartbreaking that for some reason that side of it is not allowed. I, I get that the other stuff matters. It just feels like that part should matter as well when we have the conversation about Art Modell. And it does matter in Baltimore, but you're going to have a hard time getting the rest of the country to see that because you're in the sense of where you're coming from. And I don't disagree. Look, when that Mayflower truck left, it was heartbreaking. And there's such great history. But to me, other people in other parts of the country are going to see how devastated one's community was as you rejoiced. I mean, unfortunately, you know, what happened was Jacksonville, that the team that Jacksonville got probably should have gone to of Baltimore course. before he had a chance to move it. Yep. And, you know, I think one of the things that Art did, and, and again, you know, he got very impatient and he took that Baltimore deal because he felt like he was going nowhere. And look, he was going nowhere in Cleveland. I was living through this. I, I, I don't, I wasn't privy to all the details, but I knew he was struggling to get things done in Cleveland. And I knew he was having a, a very difficult time politically to do that. So, but that doesn't take away from what he brought to the game. And I try to portray that with Monday Night Football, highlighting Howard yep. Cosell and, yep. and the game. I, I just think some people have Hall of Fame moments. They don't have Hall of Fame careers. Okay. Uh, it's I we I, look man I I admit we are emotional about it and so I'm never going to be willing to agree oh, with I, you. I get I, it. I, I love it. Hey, the, <laughs> the book was intended yeah. to have this conversation. I don't take it personally. 
The book was intended to spur conversation, to drive a conversation, to make people think outside their comfort zone, to, to see if we could have a broader conversation about, you know, look, we, the guy, there's a guy on the worldwide leader that didn't have Montana or United in his top five yeah, quarterbacks. Yeah, all I don't know about How that. do you have that? I mean, <laughs> how do you even have that? How do you even well, how I, do you have any credibility when you say that? To, to your credit, you actually had Unitas ahead of Montana, which kind of blew my mind. Um, walk well, me- I did because you know why? You know why I did? Because the, when I went back and watched Montana, I was sitting with Ernie Acorsi and Steve Sable at NFL Films, and I was the arrogant young guy saying, yeah, Unitas probably couldn't play today. It's too slow. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I was. And so I went back and studied Unitas. And when you study Unitas, you see a guy – that yes, he is not quick, but he's quick-minded. And he played in a game where they didn't protect the quarterback. He played a game where they beat the living crap out of the quarterback. And he had to call his own plays. And he had to get up off the ground and spit blood out and come back and make this incredible throw with people in his face knowing, knowing that they didn't have to stop to hit him. Do you know what that's like? You know, let's, let's take a specific play. Jared Goff in the Super Bowl, when they're playing the Patriots, He's got brand, he's got Robert Woods open for a touchdown, but he's got he's got the the defensive player coming at him. And the defensive player is about three steps away. Now he knows he's probably not going to get hit, but he's got to get rid of the ball. United stays in there and makes that throw and takes a brutal beating because United there would have been no penalty. That's the difference. Mm. And I think that Montana benefited from some of the help, but not but but United never did. And he just continued to make plays, call his own plays, bring the ball down the field, and do remarkable things. I, I, I think it was, you know, I think people get too caught up at the, at the quarterback position looking at just only, just only athleticism when it is a mental, really, it is an instinctive position that requires great mental awareness. The passage in Football Done Right about John Unitas also includes a retelling of uh, the 1958 championship game, so I think Baltimore sports fans will enjoy that a great bit. I am sure that there will be some that will come after you. I don't want to give everything in the book away because I do want people to read it and pick it up. I think there will be some people here that will come after you about some of the linebackers you had ahead of Ray Lewis on your list, but I get it. You were, <laughs> you, were you had effusive praise well, um, look, for, for Ray Lewis in there as I, well. I, I, I I mean, look, I, I had, I was, look, you know, Ozzy and Phil Savage, they all left, they all left Cleveland and they'll be the first to tell you, there's nobody that loved Ray Lewis more than I love Ray yeah. Lewis. And I was as much wanted to get him drafted as anything and, and was a part of that. But I will say this to you, you know, when you, I have them in a category, one of the things I try to do is put players in the category. We can argue about where they rank in the category, Right. But you can't argue that they're in that right category. I think that's ultimately what the conversation should center on. Uh, the, I will tell you the other thing that I learned about. Um, I had never heard the term flockier before. Um, I was not aware of that concept. And as much as I thought I knew about Ozzie Newsom from the years that I've covered the Ravens, I, I actually genuinely learned something, even someone who spent a couple of years on the beat traveling around with this football team. I had never heard that term before. Well, yeah, see, that's why the, I think there's a lot of stuff in this book that people are going to know and, and learn about, you know, did, did anybody know that Joe Montana could have been a Chicago bear if Bill Tobin's wife would have had the pick that's and funny. he promised him, you know, he promised her that he was going to pick him in the third round. 
you know, look, I mean, Ed, as great as Ozzy is and as great as they built those franchises, the section on Ed Reed, who I think is yep. one of the best players ever to play the game, is remarkable, right? Oh, yeah, the three guys I mean, that, that he know, really I, wanted. Dude, I, that is the three guys that, that Ozzy Newsome really wanted in that draft. Oh, you should read this book just for that. The three guys that Ozzy Newsome had identified in that draft and then just took Ed Reed because those three guys were gone, your mind will be blown about how it worked out for us. But that doesn't make Ozzy that that doesn't make Ozzy a bad scout. It right. makes Ozzy a great scout because you know why? Because here's what I'll say to you all the time: anytime you talk to any personnel guy, when he tells you about his greatest picks, he's a liar. He, when the guy tells you about the ones he missed on, that's a really good scout. And Ozzy was, you know, admitted that he had, you know, that his world fell apart. You know, and it happened to us in Cleveland too when. When the Jets took Kyle uh, Kyle Brady, and we were sitting there, we could have taken Warren Sapp. We had bad information on Warren Sapp, and we had went ahead and traded down. Sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. And take the guy, and that's how it worked out for the Ravens with Ed Reed. Again, the book is Football Done Right. Michael Lombardi with us. Um, can I just talk football with you for a minute, Mike? Is that okay? Do you have the time sure. just for sure. a minute? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Wonder what you think about this. You know, obviously the Ravens lose J.K. Dobbins. It's such a gut punch on so many levels for that young man. It's it's a terrible gut punch. And then I think the Ravens genuinely believed that he was primed for a breakout season this year. I I, I don't know how to view the the Jonathan Taylor situation. It's so insane, but. Is there any world in which that comes back to earth and the Colts realize, hey, look, they were so far out of line with what we think that this player is worth that that could be a conversation that the Ravens could get themselves into at some point this season? Well, the reason they let him talk to other teams was so that they could determine his worth, so they could listen to offers, so that the agent and the player could hear what's out there on the other side of the fence, that green grass that they think exists. And it didn't manifest itself. You know, everybody wants the Colts to trade this player for a fourth-round pick. Well, if he's a great player, and he is, why would they give up? Why would they only get back a fourth? Like, why do they have to be the ones to pay the price? Well, know, why do they have to be? And we're seeing this in the NBA. I mean, look, the Damon Lillard and yeah. Harden, you know, they, they're all want to get traded. But, you know, they, nobody wants to pay the price that the teams want. And if the player claims he should make $17 million a year, you're going to take a fourth-round pick for guys worth $17 million a year? That doesn't make any sense. So Ballard gave him the opportunity, and the, and the agents promised the kid something that I don't think he can deliver on. So I understand that. Uh, I guess the question becomes at some point, if Jonathan Taylor says, yeah, but I, I'm just not going to play here, like that, whatever it is, if I have to play for less, I'll do it, but I'm just not going to do it here. At some point, do they have no choice but to say, all right, well, we have to do as well as we possibly can in a bad situation? Well, I, I think, you know, the bigger issue is is this. I mean, he said, so he says that, you believe that, but he also said back in April that he signed to a dotted line and he's going to honor the contract. Right. So which do I believe? I get it, right? Like, they're going to have to make that decision. And I, I get that it's complicated, too. What would – so let me let me try to pose it this way, Mike. What would a legitimate if, – if you were a team that was in need of a running back, and I don't know where the Ravens are going to find themselves because they're going to try it with the guys they have – and I don't, I don't know that they're definitively going to win the Super Bowl if they were to add at running back. And I certainly don't think they're going to be the team that's going to spend on Jonathan Taylor moving forward. But what would a viable trade look like for a team that just thought they could rent Jonathan Taylor for a season if he said, I'll play for another team? Well, it'd have to be higher than what they could get for a compensatory pick. But just say that the 
just hypothetically say that the that the Colts put a franchise tag on them and protect their rights next year. Right. Then we were playing and then this somebody's game for gotta forever. Come in. Yeah. Yeah. Then we're going to play the game for because the the one thing this collective bargaining agreement has given teams is the is the ability to not have holdouts. Now we're seeing more of them, and guys are holding in and doing all those things. But like, look, Chris Jones came back for incentives. That's true. I mean, he didn't get. He didn't right. get, I mean, the system is the system was negotiated to prevent holdouts. This, you know, the problem we have is we take the NBA mentality into the NFL. That's not the NFL. The NFL, the owners, the player, everything is set differently. Is there? Let me. Is it more complicated because of the running back issue, though, Michael? Is it like? It seems like we are at some sort of breaking point. I I will give credence to what Jonathan Taylor said in that tweet initially, to me, is kind of abundantly true. The, the, the teams are devaluing the position and what they're willing to pay, but yet they're still spending first-round picks on the position because they, they still want good running backs. They just don't want to have to pay them at some point. So what what right. do they do? What but do but this... here's the facts. Let, let's talk facts. I mean, 24, rookie, 24 players got second-year contracts right. as running backs, and 20 of them didn't make it through the second year. It, the, to sign a player, a running back, to a second-year deal, it's not a great investment. There's not a lot of things that happen really well for you. And the other problem is I don't know why people can't understand this. It's an economic we, – we all went to school and studied economics, the, the supply and demand. Yeah. There's way too many running backs out there. The supply's high. Nick Chubb's the best running back in football. He makes $12 million a year. That's what he makes. Right. No, I Josh I, Jacobs – the reason he's making $12 million on the incentives is because, and look, Austin Eckler was out there all, all spring. He was out there. You could have had Austin Eckler. He has 36 touchdowns. He's tremendous. He had an unbelievable opening day game. He's making $6 million. Man, it's tough. It's tough. I, but I also understand. I don't know if I just accept it's that. It's collectively bargained. It's, it's I know. not tough. It's collectively bargained. I, and I know. the problem is, no, there's too much supply and nobody's getting a second contract. So this isn't about who screams the loudest or yells. This is, this is the, as Hyman Roth said, this is the business we've chosen. And this is how it's going to end up. And, and if there aren't any running backs, like, look, we watched Daniel Jones play on Monday night. Do you yep. think he's a $40 million no, quarterback? Of course, not, of course he's not. Yeah, right. Of course he's not. But, but the demand of quarterbacks is so high and yep. supply is so low Quarterback pricing is going up. Yeah, it's I mean, extraordinary. Th- that's yeah. the same thing. Was was Bradley Beal a blue a, a, a definitive change <laughs> the team the yeah. player in the NBA? Of course he wasn't, but he got paid because here's the rhetoric that happens. If we don't pay Beal, we're not going to be any good. Well, if you paid Beal, you right, weren't still any good weren't either. Any good, right. But yeah. no team wants. Yeah, no team wants to go through the second phase. Well, and it's the awkward kind because somebody would point out, hey, look, all the quarterbacks that got uh, contracts, they all struggled in week one, right? And they, this is proof that you can't win. But, like, at the same time, are you going to go into a season without a quarterback? Like, the, it's the thing yeah, that we, exactly. we we kept talking about during the Lamar Jackson conversation here in Baltimore. Like, you can keep telling me, well, it becomes really difficult to put that team around them. Sure. But on the flip side, you can put a lot of good football players on the field and not have a quarterback, and then what chance do you have? Exactly. Exactly yep. right. Yep. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. How do you think they did? Before I let you go, Mike, how do you think the Ravens did in handling the Lamar Jackson situation? I think they did a good job. I think they they understood the market. They let him go out there and test the market. Uh, and they they kept it professional so that they could come back. They didn't overreact to his, 
to his t- Twitter feed and taking stuff down. And I think they try to keep it in house and they realized, you know, look, it's, we have to make this work. We have to make this work. Cause if we don't make this work, we're not going anywhere. It's like the jets today, the jet, everybody keeps asking me, what are the jets going to do? They, the jets don't, the jets have one thing to do. They got to make Zach Wilson a better player. Sometimes to do the right thing is to do the obvious thing. And that's what you have to do. Worked out all right, and we'll see how the season goes. Uh, I can't encourage people enough. Football done right. It's available right now. We've linked it up on our Twitter account. Uh, and, of course, he's on VEASAN and M. Lombardi NFL on Twitter. Michael Lombardi, really appreciate it, man. I've thoroughly enjoyed the book. Thank, Thank you, you so for taking much. the time for us. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Michael Lombardi with us here on GCR. Of course, a longtime NFL executive, three-time Super Bowl winner. I, You know, I'm not – if you guys expected me to scream and just say you're wrong, you're wrong, you know, you know, you know better. You're not here if that's what you think I'm going to do. I understand his point. It to me is a much better point than when people say Art Modell can't get into the Hall of Fame because he moved the Cleveland Browns. That's hogwash. Al Davis moved the team. He's in the Hall of Fame. That's not a thing. The point that he made of well, if you judge Art Modell by what he did as an owner, you have to acknowledge he meddled. He meddled, and in the process of meddling, ended up losing historically great coaches. Relevant. It's a relevant argument about Art Modell. My point would be that I think the things that he did, the totality of him as a figure within the game of football, is still worthy of being recognized within Pro Football's Hall of Fame given the totality of other contributors that have gotten in. If no owners ever got in, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It's complicated, right? Like, it's a complicated layer. It's a more compelling argument than what a lot of other people make about Art Modell when they just say, well, he moved the team, he can't get in the Hall of Fame. As nonsensical as it gets. Hey, tonight, the Tyus Bowser Show returns for Season 3. We're going to be at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill on Harford Road. You can come join us. Tyus and his special guest, Rashad Bateman, will be in the house for tonight's show starting at 7 o'clock. It's going to be a lot of fun. Myself, Rita, Tyus, Rashad Bateman, your opportunity to meet, rub elbows with some of your favorite uh, Baltimore football stars all season long. Starting tonight, Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill. Speak now. I'm going to be as blunt as I can about this. Don't ask me what I can do for you. I still get it from people. Hey, you tickets? I can't believe that I've been doing this for 20 years, and there are still people in my life that think that I just have hookups for certain things. Dude, well, you, can you introduce? No, 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 no. This is what I can do for you. Tonight. You can come to the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill, and I will introduce you to Tyus Bowser and Rashad Bateman. I'll do that. But that's what I can do for you. Not I, When people start hitting me up, I've already had a couple people, what about uh, can you get uh, Orioles playoff tickets? No. No one might be able to. I'm panicked about myself. And when I say panicked, I mean like yeah. panicked. Because I actually made peace at one point. Like, I'm just not going to go crazy like I did during the stretch. Uh, the 12 14. I'm not going to, because I went crazy then. I spent, I had already purchased World Series tickets in 14. And I remember 
Yeah, after they lost the like the lost the first couple games of the ALCS. Yeah, we had ours. We were ready. Oh, I yeah, we I ready. had my World Series tickets, and I do remember there being a small part of me that was like, "Well, there's a lot of money that's coming back into my life. <laughs> that is the only saving grace here." I am panicked about this because I had said to myself a month ago because I was about to buy a season plan for next year in order to get my make sure I could get my playoff tickets. I was like, "Nope, this is fiscally irresponsible. I can't do this. I won't do this." No way. No. No. Yes. No. 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 All right, so I'll see you there. I'm panicked about the decisions that I might make here. I'm really hoping that my work schedule leaves me so busy that, like, I don't have the opportunity to. But uh, don't ask me about that. This is the thing I can do for you. This, tonight, I will be happy to introduce you to two of your favorite Ravens. We'll do that tonight at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill. But tomorrow, I can no longer help you again. Until two weeks later, when we do another Tyus Bowser show. Pressboxonline.com slash Bowser for the details. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Again, Tyus Bowser show tonight at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill on Harford Road. Quickly, the Jets have confirmed Aaron Rodgers' Achilles injury, and he is definitively, I mean, we knew. It's not like we, there was any ambiguity there, but they went ahead and made sure it was official today. So we will, uh, we'll see. Um, a, a lot of like criticism about the fact that they didn't do better at backup quarterback. I, I'm going to say this eternally. It's the conversation right there. Thank you. It's the conversation we had here. Like you're just not going to do. I. If you lose Aaron Rodgers for the season, you're not winning the Super Bowl. Why? What are you losing sleep over? Wh- who is the guy that's going to be drastically different? Nick Foles. Thank you. Just, we're just saying anything. Uh, I I don't know how to, to to say it without it being mean, but there's a group of guys you can win the Super Bowl with, and then there's everybody else. And can you be more competitive with one of those other guys? Maybe. I mean, their defense Maybe. does look good. Yes, their defense looks yeah. very good. Their offensive line does not. No, it doesn't. Their defense does look but very Brees good. Hall looks good so. Brees Hall looks good. Obviously, Garrett Wilson we know is good. And their defense looked very good. Jermaine Johnson looked really good. There's a guy I would have loved in Baltimore at a time. You know, could they win some games with another quarterback? Yes, they probably could. But what's the point? What does that do for you if you won nine games this year instead of six? It's more fun, I guess. I don't know that anything in regarding the Jets is going to be fun the rest of the season. I would say some people would say if – Zach Wilson is still under contract, you'd be better off like running it out there one more time and just seeing if somehow you can make it click. I get it. Example number one, probably can't. But that would be the argument, right? Or is that you should just draft another quarterback. They should have been the team to take Doriel Thompson Robinson. Or Hennon Hooker, I guess. Or um, I think that would have been aggressive. Yeah. If if Aaron Rodgers wants to play for a couple seasons to draft a quarterback that like is, you're saying, I think is ready. Yeah. At best, he's going to be able to play at 27, right? At best case scenario, was that's when he was going to be able to play for you? I don't know that that Hendon. I think it's too aggressive given the pick that you. Oh, given the, yeah, that you, if the you if he was available in the fifth round, sure, right? But Stetson Bennett, right? Like you could make the argument that you should just always draft another quarterback because if your something happens to your quarterback, you're better off having. 
the argument that the Jets fans are making and is for the scenario where Aaron Rodgers was going to miss three weeks. In a scenario where a quarterback's going to miss three weeks, that's where you want to have a good backup quarterback. But if you lose a player, for th- it makes no effing difference. And so it almost becomes the eternal, should you plan your backup quarterback around the idea of losing your quarterback for three weeks, or should you plan it around, I, I would say, probably, yeah. if, if your quarterback's 39, it should probably be a young quarterback. Like, if your quarterback's 39, instead of your backup being a veteran, it should probably be a draft pick. Because then there's some scenario where you stumble into Brock Purdy. Where you stumble into someone who's far better than you realize they are. And that might end up becoming your quarterback of the future. Whereas Jameis Winston Shores F isn't going to be that. But they want to go out and get a quarterback of some sort. I mean, they're going to get somebody. They want to go get out and get somebody. I, I was sent a list of like odds for who the next, who the Jets are going to sign or trade for, with Nick I mean, Foles being a three to one favorite, Colt McCoy being at four to one, Taysom Hill at five. What would, ta- what in the world would that be? The Jameis Winston Taysom Hill package. Trade that from New Orleans. So bizarre. Davis Mills seven to one, Carson Wentz eight to one, Cooper Rush ten to one, Teddy Bridgewater twelve to one. Taylor Heineke for I mean, we're just naming names here. Tom Brady. Tom Brady shows up at twenty. Yeah. Flacco at forty. Matt Ryan at fifty to one. That's what. That's what the. So I watched the Manning cast last night. Of yeah. Course. That was that what they were, com- they were campaigning yes, for. Yes. But Eli and Peyton had whoever I guess their producer. They had them pull make a graphic of Brady. Interesting. Brady Phil, in Philip Rivers is not 12. on this list, which is interesting. Tim Tebow is on the list, and Philip Rivers isn't, which is interesting to me. Um, so the Jets would give. They would let the first number twelve be Tom Brady. You think? <laughs> All right, uh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> oh, and what did we learn about Felix Batista yesterday? I don't think we learned anything from what Brandon Hyde said as much as it, that it, was video of him throwing a baseball. Well, we knew that it was him. Sort of wh- what our theories were. He was kind of backing up those theories and saying, "Yes, this is what we're doing. Um, you know, we're we're letting him run out there." They're they're hoping that maybe he could end up pitching, but they're not counting on it necessarily. Uh, they're being told that he can't make it any worse by trying it, and so they don't think that they're they're screwing much up by delaying the timeline on the surgery. That's, that's, I think a lot of people would say, "Are you are you running the risk that he couldn't help you at the end of next year by waiting so. on the surgery?" And I just don't. Like, Means was down, like, this is, what, 14 Right, so the months? suggestion is that no matter what, he's going to miss all of next year anyway, so it's just whether or not he'd be ready in December or, or February, February, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I get it. So Means, yes, pitched in April of 2022 is when he got hurt. Yes. And now he's coming back in August, so, yeah, that's, that's or no, coming back in September, so that's a year and five. That's 17 months. Yeah, April 22. So Batista got hurt in August. So if we just said it was set. Now, remember. The yeah, I mean, there's thing, been time. But John Means also had a setback in there. That's right. So in a normal world, if he doesn't have a setback, maybe he could have been back in July. So maybe we base the timeline around that, that they're thinking that the math is more like 13, 14, 15 months. And so 15 months from August would still put you into November whereas 15 months from October would have you in January. So they just don't think it's the significant difference between the two in a normal timeline for recovery. 
that if he's got to have Tommy John surgery, he's out for all of next year no matter what. And why not? If there's any there's any small chance that he is strong enough to avoid it, let's ride it out with that. But I also think they're being very fair in the way they talk about it. Like, they're not planning on it. They're not assuming that it's something that's going to happen. They just, because they don't need to rule it out yet, because they don't think it makes a difference, they're not going to rule it out. So I can understand that. All right, when we come back in, we will get a tidbit and we will get tubular to wind down for a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The Maryland Five Star returns to iconic Fair Hill October 19th to 22nd, marking the next chapter in Maryland's equestrian tradition. Best described as the triathlon of horse eventing, you won't want to miss this thrilling sport. Enjoy a fall festival with local fair, retail vendors, and tons of family fun. Come for the event and stay for the experience in Cecil County, home to the Chesapeake Bay waterfront with vibrant small towns and accommodations to suit every desire. It's the place to be in October. Visit Maryland5star.us for tickets. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership, a press box, and great ace memorabilia. Gambling problem? Visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, September 12th at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill, 5506 Hartford Road. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. 
Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your Waiver Wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? So, uh, back in here on GCR, I, guess I, did, I, didn't, I did not see that Mark Sanchez was making fun of um, Josh Allen last night. Yes. That, is, that is good. I mean... I enjoy that. I, uh, I, that's good. But what was weird is that the, the snaps, it did seem like they were coming in really fast all night, huh. which was, I wasn't just, really paying attention I wasn't, to that. Like I, I, like I noticed it like early on and then, okay. and then, then it really stuck out obviously at the very end when that, when he bobbled it and the Orioles, by the way, make it official. John Means is back and Joey Crable kind of not surprisingly is the guy to go for his roster spot. So that that's one down. I guess the question is, are they committing to Cole Irvin now being the long man and not having a, a path back into the rotation, or does it become rotation spot by committee for a little while, right? Like, if we need you, then... Spot to start. You're going to... Well, no, more like if you, are a, if you are a starting pitcher that's available, but we need you for something else, we just might use you that way. I don't, we'll see. We will see how that works out, but... Joey Crable is the guy to go for John Means as he returns to the rotation tonight. If you haven't picked up the new print issue of Pressbox, I encourage you to do that right now. It's available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Lamar Jackson, cover story from Bo Smolka about this next era of Lamar Jackson's career now with the contract. So go pick it up right now. A lot of college football in there as well. Teams around the area Go get it for free today or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. I feel like there was something else that I wanted to get to today. Oh, uh, it was suggested to me that the reason why I am struggling in picks is because I haven't, we haven't done any stakes yet, that we haven't done any side bets yet. Oh, it's rise to the occasion, huh? You know what I ordered? Great. You know what I ordered? What? Did you hear about... You know, it's pumpkin spice season, of course. Okay, yeah. Do you hear about what's new in the world of pumpkin spice flavors this year? Um, I guess I haven't yet. I I ordered these not knowing what we were going to... Like, I didn't know if I was going to use them here, the radio right. show. I had no. I just said, well, oh, obviously I'm going to have to purchase this product. There's a new pumpkin spice flavored product that's available. Oh. God. Um, I'm trying to think like a pumpkin spice. I'm trying to think of what would be no, so just, just guess. A, just guess. Not a pumpkin spice pickle, right? Just guess. No, not a pumpkin spice pickle, That's, but I'm listening. Yeah. But I'm listening. What if I told you this isn't a product that you would eat? Well, I mean, I guess anything could be a product that you could eat, but you, you shouldn't or you wouldn't. you wouldn't eat. You're getting closer. You're getting closer. Um, yeah. Pumpkin spice Chapstick? I don't Not know. pumpkin spice. Cha- that actually just sounds like it'd be a it good idea. Sound, yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah. I'd be yeah, surprised if it doesn't exist. Like, <laughs> yeah. Pumpkin spice anything. This one not, not, not as much. I um, I may have ordered toothpaste. The, I kind of want that now too. What if I told you that the company that's making them are calling them, Dumpkin Spice. Dump. Um. Okay. So like, like the the, the like the poo thingies. Uh, more like. 
more like toilet paper? Wipes. Yeah, more pumpkin like spice wipes. Dude wipes put out wow. a pumpkin space that's specific, specifically supposed to be a butt wipe. Like I know that dude wipes like you're supposed to be able to use, but they do reference on the packaging flushable wipes. Dumpkins. I ordered the pumpkin spice. Dumpkin. Dumpkin. The dumpkin spice dude wipes. They're supposed to be here tomorrow. Oh, nice. It's exciting. Um, Could we do a side bet? You're not going to eat one, it? No, no, no. We okay. wouldn't eat it. I'm okay. saying where one of us would go, whoever lost, <laughs> takes the camera with them into the bathroom <laughs> and keeps it on their face the whole time as they use... Is there coming back from that or not? Like, is this? I always feel like we're like I just you know rub my butt in a in a speedo and Andrew stepped yeah. his face a couple weeks ago. I mean, I, yeah. this it was fine. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, feel like I'd still be okay, right? Like I'm not gonna lose a job over there'd nah, be no. I, I mean, again, it'd you be probably on, have a better sense. For it'd be on your face. I remember <laughs> when I took a vacation to Charleston a few years ago. It was uh, it, people enjoyed this vacation a great deal because my my luggage never arrived. And so I was doing content and shtick all throughout the week about this trip that we took to Charleston and me not having any luggage, right? I was doing jokes like, no, we're not at the point where I'll have to wear my wife's underwear, but I might choose to. Like, I, you know, I was doing that type of shtick during the course of the week, and everybody was enjoying it, and I got back, and everybody was like, dude, that was hilarious. Like, were you, were you just lying the entire time? Like, no, we really didn't have our luggage. It actually worked out great for us because we went over to the Under Armour outlet. I got a bunch of new clothes, and the airline had to pay for them. So oh, nice. in, in hindsight, like... Should just claim you bring luggage. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I've had worse situations in my life. We got it back the day that we arrived back home. The luggage, no. the luggage showed back up in our lives. They drove it to our house. I was like, well... I mean, that's it did suck. Like, I'm not going to pretend like it didn't suck for the first day. But, like, we, we were staying somewhere where they had laundry machines, so we were able to just do lots of laundry and get through the week on the, the three pairs of clothes that we were able to purchase from the Under Armour outlet. There's, like, a limit to how much you can spend um, from if the airline's oh, going to okay. pay you back for it. Like $500, I guess. I don't, I don't even know if it's $500, whatever it is. But, Should um, be. Moral of the story being... Start getting designer clothes. I also, because we lost our luggage, so we were on a, a... My wife's family was having like a family reunion trip to Charleston. And they rented these like two really big houses in Charleston for like all these cousins and aunts and uncles and the whole thing. And when we got there, there was clearly a master bedroom. And my wife will never have a problem with being the person that suggests she should be allowed to have the master bedroom. Sounds good for you. Yeah. We There's th- there's no reason why we needed to have the master, be- master bedroom. It's just who she is as a person. Now, we also had a baby at the time. We had a, a three-year-old. No, we had a two-year-old and we had a baby. So that was also a compelling argument, right? That, like, we, we, were the, we had the youngest child of everyone there. So, like, maybe we need a little more space. And then she threw in the, as she was making the argument to her cousins and aunts, she was like, well, and we don't have our luggage, and we've been through a lot. (laughs) And they were like, all right, fine, you can have the master bedroom. Yes! (laughs) And I just stayed quiet the entire time. I knew better. I'm like, well, whatever, this works out. I'll be happy to, you know, as long as I have a bed, I don't care. The master bedroom had a bidet in the bathroom. It was nice. I had never used a bidet before, so... I took fun weekend. I took a photograph <laughs> of my face while using the bidet for the first time. 
and I posted it. Now, I showed nothing. So I feel like this is no worse than that. Like, this is not... This would be no worse right, right. than me posting the photo of me, you know, having water... You know what I'm trying yeah, to say yeah, here. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure what the like rules are. No, uh, this can't be worse than that. Right, yeah. We're not breaking any Because I don't know. What can I do? I don't know if I can do it. Like, the radio station, there's FC. I don't know what the rules are over there. So I had thought about doing a bit with this for the radio show. But the more like I think about it. From... Yeah, like going to the bathroom and calling in from the bathroom. Like, all right, I'm about to try the, the Dumpkin Spice <laughs> wipes. Are the, the really rules against that? I don't know. I don't know what the rules are on the radio, man. I go, I was off radio for a few years, and so I'm pretty sure I've skirted some of the rules already <laughs> in the time that I've been back. Getting away from – there was so, one time we had, um, oh, God, the late uh, uh, Ryan Dunn from Jackass, who I, I loved. God, I loved Ryan Dunn. Great guy. We had an event with uh, – dude, that guy, what a ten and a half he was. But one time he called in, and he was telling stories about um, Phil – Margera, Bam's dad, mm-hmm. and I don't remember. He used the term, "Oh, and we." It, 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 he pissed on him, right? And I was, and we all laughed and we were dying. But we had pre-recorded the interview, like we have to do sometimes here. And so when I aired it that night, I just aired it, and then all of a sudden, like my program director came flying in, screaming, "You can't say that!" I'm like, "We we say we're pissed off all the time." They're like, "You're allowed to say pissed off. You just can't say pissed on." And I'm like, "Well, how?" On and off. How in the world am I supposed <laughs> to be responsible for that? Like, how is that reasonable for me as a, you know, executive producer and assistant program director to know that I'm allowed to say pissed off, but I'm not allowed to say pissed on? How did? Come on, man, that's ridiculous. And I got screamed at. And I my mind. I, so I don't know what the rules are anymore. But I also think this comes in a three pack, so I could technically do something <laughs> on both shows with them. We're gonna have a lot of. Dumpkin Spice dude wipes around here. <laughs> you want to make it a side bet for this week? I mean, I mean, yeah, why not? Loser has to go ne- or next Tuesday, or next, next Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it is, and has to. We'll put the video. You'll set the video up. All right. So that like, you, do this. Should we zoom in? I yeah, guess? you'll yeah, be yeah, zoomed zoom in. in. Okay. And then <laughs> we'll zoom me. in on the right. <laughs> and I, it'll be my. It'll be your face. You don't show anything else. But your face as you use the Dumpkin Spice dude wipe. Okay. That is a terrible idea. Yeah, what I mean, what this have is, I done? This is... What have I, I I got a bad feeling I'm not gonna end up being the is governor. This a punishment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the other part of it, is I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe the other one of us is gonna say, My turn now. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, we're just both gonna try them, yeah, aren't we? Probably. Like you're not it's gonna not... you're gonna wanna know. <laughs> But we don't have to try it on camera is the difference. Yes. I yeah, guess is the yeah. difference. One of us gets right. to save our dignity. All right. So, well, I don't know if there's any of that. All right. That'll be our side bet for this one. All, right, all right. All right. You're on. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you. How do you what, – what is this show? Tidbit is brought to you by Superbook Sports, and that's where we'll be pulling the odds for, for this week's picks. Of course, uh, you want to make a bet tonight. Orioles minus 195 on the money line. Of course, the spread is one and a half, but that's pretty typical. And uh, the total is ten and a half. So if you think that John Means is going to come out firing tonight and is going to dominate the St. Louis Cardinals in his return to the rotation, maybe you bet that under. And if you're going to do that, then what you need to do is download the Superbook app or go to Superbook.com. Use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. And what that'll do is that you make your first deposit and you make a same-day first bet up to $250 
they will match it win or lose. So you bet $250, say, on the on on the Orioles on the on the money line on under ten and a half tonight. It pays one to one. So you'll bet two hundred fifty dollars, you'll get two hundred fifty dollars. And free bets. Two hundred fifty dollars worth of free bets on top of it. Superbook.com, Superbook app. The code is Glenn Clark twenty three. What you got? Uh, on Saturday, the Red Sox did uh, have 23 hits against Yeah, the it doesn't happen very frequently. I actually saw this. They lost. Yeah. Last that hasn't team. happened since. Sarah Langs shared this, mm-hmm. correct? Uh, I think so, yes. Yeah. And uh, the last time that happened, <sighs> since you saw it. I know, but, that, okay, come on. 93 uh, years, wait, let me make sure. Yeah, 93 years ago. Uh, yeah, that sounds 1930. right. 1930. Yeah, it's crazy. 1930 it's crazy. Phillies. It's crazy. Had 23 hits in a 9-inning game and still lost. Uh, so, yeah, the Orioles, just different, you know? They can overcome anything. Remarkable. Remarkable. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I would prefer to not give up 23 hits, yeah. for the record. Just That would be my thought processes. Let's not do that. Played three snaps yesterday uh, before his season appear it is over after the Achilles tear confirmation. Uh, it is the fewest snaps played by a week one starting quarterback in a season uh, since at least 2007. Before that... Uh, before that, do you know who had the least amount of snaps played as a starting quarterback in Week One? It was fifteen. Two thousand fifteen. Who got? Oh, no, 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 it was fifteen snaps. Fifteen snaps before their quarter, this quarterback season was, was it, over. Was it Brady the year that he Brady, got hurt? Brady in 08, and yeah. then also in two thousand twenty-one, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, oh, it's hard for me to remember that Ryan Fitzpatrick is even still <laughs> in the league in twenty twenty-one. Was that his Washington season? That was. I don't. Was I, don't I don't remember. I don't remember. Was that Tampa? No, I guess Tampa was before that. I, Josh Allen falls to 0-5 now in overtime games, including the playoffs. 0-5 in overtime, Josh Allen is. That's kind of wild, it isn't is. it? It is. He passes Derek, or David Carr, excuse me. David was, Carr. It really makes you think about their timeout strategy late in the game and when they why they didn't prioritize having... All right, anyway. Yeah. Um, it is the most losses without a win or a tie by a starting quarterback in overtime games. Five. Kind of wild. Five straight losses kinda wild. for Allen. Uh, Xavier Gibson, who had... Is it Gibson? Yeah, Gibson. Well, they say Gibson on the broadcast, but is yeah. it? I think it's I, then it must be Gibson. Uh, he I, they featured him on on a hard knock, so it was really cool. to, okay. to when he got that a walk off punt return touchdown. It's well, a lot third. of people pointed out there should have been a trip called. Although even uh, where the trip was, no, well, it's definitely a tripping. There's no debate about I mean, that. No, you're yes. doing the bit where because it was cool, you don't think it should have been called. It absolutely was tripping. There's no getting well, around I mean, that. Like, fall, I don't know. What? You like you so on purpose? He was kicking his legs up. Well, on purpose, he was throwing his legs in that range. He was trying to do something. To prevent it, he was purposely attempting to do use whatever part of his body he could to keep his guy free. It it was a hundred percent a trip. There's right. no question about that. But it was also at like the 33 yard line. Yeah, the Jets probably they would have gotten the ball there and then yeah. at the 48, right? Oh, I, I say that they do have Zach, Zach Wilson, Wilson as their quarterback. I guess it's not it's not a sure thing that they would have won anyway. Go ahead. Uh, third overtime punt return in NFL history. Uh, all three, all three of them have been by rookies now. The other two, ninety-nine. It was, sorry, yard. it was at the twenty-three yard line. So they would have been already on the yeah, edge. The of, they would have been at the thirty-eight and already yeah. in the edge of field goal range at that point. So yeah, I um, think they probably would have won the game anyway. First two, nineteen, not nineteen, or yeah, nineteen ninety-five was the very first one. Tamaric Vanover had an eighty-six yard walk-off punt. Tamaric Vanover was I was in love because he played during the area era where the Chiefs had uh, Joe Montana, and I was with with the Ravens not existing. Mm. Joe Montana was just what I rooted just for. Football. Yeah, correct. 
And so when he went to the Chiefs, dude, I they had Joe Montana, they had Marcus Allen at the end of his career. Like they were doing before the Redskins became the team that took everybody at the end of their careers, the Chiefs were doing that bit for a minute. And Tamarick Vanover was exciting, man. I think I actually had a jersey. Wow. Yeah. Find that one. No chance. Oh, Zero chance. It might Patrick, be my parents' house. I don't yeah. know. Patrick Peterson had a 99-yard punt return uh, in week nine of the 2011 season, also his rookie year. So rookies, punt return, walk-off punt return touchdowns, all three. Uh, that came from Tony Escarano Holtzman, who works for NFL Research. Uh, quarterback play in week one was absolutely terrible. Uh, we saw the lowest yards per attempt uh, since 1996, 6.25 yards per attempt across all quarterbacks. In week one, so lowest since 1996, and then 9.7 yards per completion, which is the fewest in week one since the NFL uh, merger in 1970. 9.7 yards per completion. Okay. The Atlanta Falcons, they're over 500 for the first time. Hey! Since 2017. It's all changing. Yeah, since 2017. They got a huge matchup this week with the Packers. Two two 1-0 teams, man. They snapped their five-game losing streak. By the the way, I'm going to be – so you know – I wasn't going to bitch about what the national game is. We're not getting it in Baltimore. In Baltimore, the local games this weekend at 4 o'clock are a nightmare. Commanders Broncos and Giants Cardinals, which I have to assume is a declaration of war from the folks at at WBFF. I did not know (laughs) that they hated us like this, but I have to assume that's what it is, and we need to prepare for battle. What's the other Fox? Oh, it's good. It's It's Rams 49ers. That's available. They could have Rams 49ers. But instead, they're giving us Giants Cardinals. I I just I and I, I don't know big, why. Big Giants bounce back. Game. I guess they just assume that n- no one's going to watch, so it doesn't matter. I can't fathom what the <laughs> thought. Like I know that they, in some ways, capitulate to watch. Like they run Washington's preseason games, and they try to like the whatever the Baltimore suburbs are to the south, where like you might have some fans in there that are Washington fans are like trying to manipulate that because it's the the best thing they can do to try to to get ratings during the year but this is insane this is bat s insane that they're choosing to put this game on when there is an actual football game that's on at the same time it's a fox game i i am beyond befuddled by it but this is always my cross to bears i always am the one that like freaks out about the decisions that the football networks make and i stand by them they're insane so that's that one is nutty, right? But that's a local decision that's being made. I, I, there's nothing we can do about that. Well, I, I actually, I think technically they're allowed to change their mind. I do think <laughs> that they have the right, like the week of the game, to say, what are we doing here? The 49ers. There's a good game at the same time. Let's air that one instead. 49ers-Rams should be the local TV game in Baltimore this week because no one on the planet gives a rat's ass. I don't even know the people in New York or Arizona care about this game on, on Sunday. Uh, my friends in Arizona had Charles Barkley on their show yesterday. He was like, "Oh man, this is like the magic. This is like trying to pick between two ugly girls." I'm like, <laughs> "I love you, Chuck." Um, here's the game that is somehow a regional TV game on Sunday. Um, Chiefs Jaguars is a regional TV game. Really? On Sunday. What time? What time is that one? One o'clock. We're not going to be able to watch it because we'll be watching the Ravens game. Chiefs-Jaguars, the game of the week, is a regional television game. On Sunday night, we get Dolphins-Patriots, which I get at least has a good team involved. Patriots? They were more competitive than we expected, but let's not pretend like any of us think the Patriots are a thing. Mac Jones had, what, three touchdowns? B.O.B. Great. Yeah, he's he's back. Uh, The Monday night games, there's two of them. They 
Are there it's two Monday night games? Steelers Browns, which I guess will be the one people choose to watch because like wait, are they playing at the same time? They're they're staggering them. Okay. This is like, I don't, just do the damn doubleheader. Where it's football, we'll watch. <laughs> uh, they're doing a seven o'clock game on ESPN. Pa- Saints Panthers, hooray! And then they're doing an eight o'clock game. Brown Steelers on I ABC. Mean, yeah, no one's watching Saints Panthers. I mean, we'll watch the first hour because yeah. it's football, and that's what we do is we watch football on Monday <laughs> nights. And then we'll flip over to Brown Steelers. God, Jaguars Chiefs by far. The best game. This is the. This is all over again. Now, at least I think most of the, more of the country will get that game than got um, Chargers Dolphins last week. I think. I don't know. I have to look at the maps and they come out this week. But everybody that has a one o'clock game won't be watching it or won't be getting it by far. Easy, easily when you look at the schedule. That's the game. Now I get it. CBS was banking on Jets Cowboys, and that's the game they put in the national window, and so it's clearly a bummer for them. It feels like we should have the right to just flip. Like, this is the why. When we talk about flexing Thursday night games, that's insane. But there is no reason at all why CBS shouldn't have the right to say this week, hey, the flip game we thought, now they never would because it's the Cowboys and no network ever flexes the Cowboys, and I'm going to blow my brains about. But we should have the right to say flipping from one to four the week of the game is not that big of a deal. Let's just do it. It's ridiculous that we don't get to watch Chiefs jar- Jaguars and instead get stuck with crap. Please, I'm begging you, W. Who do we know at WBFF? Call Morgan right now. Call, Call her. Right now. Bruce probably still has some pull over there. <laughs> Call Bruce. Find out who Call we need Bruce. to talk. I'm not even kidding about this. J- can you text Bruce and say Glenn is doing a bit on the show where he wants to know who makes the decision at WBFF about which football game they air? Do you know? And right. I want to pressure that person personally. Again, not my problem. I've got the ticket now. Or no, I got the ticket. I got the red zone. So I'll just watch that. But this is insanity. Sanity. All right. Did we did you do trivia? Uh no, no. Go ahead. Uh, so Tua had four hundred sixty six passing yards yes. in week one on Sunday. Uh that is the fourth most passing yards in a week one game ever. Do you know who has more? And we can uh, No. How would I know that? How would I remember? You how would I? Is it Lamar from the Miami game? No, it is not Lamar. He threw a lot of yards, but I didn't think it was that many. Where is Lamar on this list? Um, how many Lamar had in that game? He had a lot of touchdowns. He certainly had a lot of touchdowns. Maybe they stopped trying in the second half, and so he didn't actually throw for that many yards in the game. Uh, I, how am I supposed to remember big week one performances? Well, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, no, not Mahomes. Peyton Never Manning. Had a great week one. Yes, Peyton. Oh, sorry, Peyton's not ahead though. He oh. is, he's only top five. Tom Brady. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady, yes. Okay. Second. 517 in week one, 2011. Right. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Phillip Rivers. Not Phillip Rivers. Justin Herbert. No. Joe Burrow. No. Josh Allen. Go. Dan Marino. Dan Marino. Hey. 473 in 1994. Just guessing quarterbacks today. And then number one had 554 yards. Brett Favre. Not Brett. And 19- Drew Brees. 1951. Oh, for Fs. Are you kidding me? That's- YA Tittle. No. Sammy Baugh. No. Uh, I guess like him. Yeah. Norm Van Brocklin. Oh, Norm Van Brocklin of the Philadelphia Brocklin. Eagles. Yes. All right, fair enough. No, he did it with... Uh, with this oh, he was with LA somebody Rams. else? Okay. Yeah, he did it with the LA Rams in 1951. Right. Uh, but yeah, good company for two, I think. Okay. One. <laughs> That's really what you had for me today. That was a good... I like that one. <sighs> week one passing yards. Thank you. Appreciate that. John and Little Rock, how did Carolina get a Monday night home game? I'm guessing the reason why they do is like there's some where they have to have everybody play a game 
And so they're like, well, if we got to take Carolina, then we should at least have a doubleheader so that we can have somebody. We don't have to have the whole country watch that game. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. It's so stupid. So stupid. All right, here's what's coming up totally, totally, totally tubular-wise. It's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. You can watch the Tyus Bowser Show live, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, just after 7 o'clock tonight. I would encourage you to come by the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill on Harford Road instead. Masson, Cardinals-Orioles, 6.30, Adam Wainwright, John Means. UMBC Soccer's at Hofstra tonight at 7 on Flow Sports. Everything else, uh, there's a friendly tonight for the U.S. men. They take on Oman at 8.30 on TNT. Everything else, go to Glenn Clark. Wait, is that tonight? I feel like I might have posted the wrong thing. I feel like I might have screwed up here. Is the is the friendly tonight? The U.S. friendly? Yeah. Yeah. Is that tonight? Top events, top events. It is. Yes, it is. Okay, all right, very good. Yeah. Very good, yes. All right. Everything else, go to glennclarkradio.com and find it there. Uh, anything non-sports-wise? Probably uh, not. Uh, there's a few more than yesterday. New episode of Ahsoka, of course. New episode of Only Murders. There's a Kelsey documentary on Prime Video. Jason Kelsey had like a film crew oh, following okay. him last season. It looks pretty good. Um, but just, yeah, just Jason Kelsey? Not... Yeah, well, there's a lot. Of, Travis will be featured in it quite okay. a bit. But right. uh, yeah, it was just Jason Kelsey as the Eagles made their Super Bowl run. Kind of weird. Um, football must go on docu-series. Uh, this one's actually about, uh, so it's about the Ukraine champ, uh, like top, top oh, league they, champion, they did, Shukter Donetsk. Yeah. And they did some features last year on like good morning football mm-hmm. and some other places about that. And yeah, so it's just their journey, you know, kind of, you know, obviously the stuff going on in Ukraine and then them still playing in the champions league okay. last season. And then the MTV VMA is hosted by Nicki Minaj at eight. All right. On uh, MTV. I'll probably miss that one, unfortunately. Probably not going to. I heard Diddy was performing, so good. there's that. Good. There's that. All right. Uh, thanks today to Michael Lombardi. Thanks to Todd Blackledge, to Pete Mishu, and to Joe Serpico. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at glenclarkradio.com. Anything tomorrow? Um, Drew will be here. Oh, good. That's and what we've we got. We'll talk with a, uh, with a new UFC fighter. Oh, yeah, Dylan yeah, Vodka. yeah, we'll Baltimore native who uh, signed with the UFC, sure, looking forward to that. All right, thanks, everybody. Continue your excitement. Well, no, I'm just, you know, I'll talk to you about it later. Thanks, everybody, at Pressbox. All right, segment one of the Tyus Bowser Show also mm-hmm. tomorrow. Thanks to everybody uh, at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Live Casino and Hotel Merrill, and the Maryland Five Star, Glory Days Grill, R- Dorchester County, Royal Farms, the Costa Sins, Superbook Sports, Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow up. Yes. Ravens signed a practice squad. Deron Harmon. Safety. It's over for you hoes. Over for you hoes now. Marcus Williams replacements. Have a a great Tuesday night. Go Birds. Go UMBC Soccer. See you tonight for the Tyus Bowser Show. Duke sucks.